we are joined this week by the privileged Chance Miller, who got an exclusive opportunity to go hands-on with the Vision Pro headset last week at WWDC. Uh, that is going to be the major bulk of our discussion today, all about the Vision Pro, what Chance got, you know, Chance's hands-on, our general thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. As obviously in last week's episode, we covered the rest of WWDC uh, keynote with all the OSs and stuff, but we'll get to, we never did the Vision Pro section, so that is the bulk of this episode coming up. But first, we should mention the new Macs that are out this week. They were obviously announced last week. So we have the 15-inch MacBook Air, the Mac Studio with M2 Max or M2 Ultra, and we have the Mac Pro with M2 Ultra. Um, Chance, I believe you have the 15-inch Air, right? I do, in the always beautiful midnight color. That's the best color. It is. I'm looking at it right now, and it's already covered in fingerprints and... It's the best color in spite of the fingerprint. And, oh, yeah. yeah. The other colors don't don't stand a chance. I wish they'd sell a MacBook Pro in midnight. I don't know why they don't. Yeah, in my story yesterday, I included some comparison pictures between it and the 16-inch MacBook Pro. And the 16-inch and silver just looks so boring and dated. And it doesn't help that, obviously, the 15-inch MacBook Air is just so sleek and thin and light and... The MacBook Pro is obviously an absolute tank. Mm-hmm. But you do get some for that bigger design, obviously. But, but yeah, the uh, I just wish, like on the MacBook Pro that I have, they did the thing where the keyboard tray is black. Just, just make yeah. the whole metal black. <laughs> not just the keyboard tray part. Because you see it on the MacBook yeah. Airs, like, and the Midnight's like not fully black. It's like slightly blue, but it's mostly black. And I mean, it still looks. It's mostly yeah. Black. It still looks yeah. so good, like, so good. Did you have the thirteen inch before? Is that what you actually used, or you mostly use a Mac Studio, right? Yeah, my desk. It's a Mac Studio, and then I flip flopped a little bit between the thirteen inch Air and the sixteen inch Pro. Before WWDC, I was all in on the sixteen inch Pro. But once I got that in person invite, I actually went to Best Buy and bought the thirteen inch Air. Just because I didn't want to lug around mm-hmm. the 16-inch Pro. So that Air is now going back to Best Buy. The 16-inch Pro is being sold, and I'm all in on Mac Studio and 15-inch Air. And do you actually use the laptop when you're at home, or is it for just out and about kind of situation? Do you use it as like second display I, kind of thing, or what? Not as much for a second mm. display. Sometimes with universal control, but it's mainly just for... Not being at the yeah, desk, yeah, yeah. whether that's at whether that's at home or at a but Starbucks. But like if you're in like or, the living room or whatever, you just take the laptop there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because that is the I I I mean, when I chose my laptop this time around, it was 2021, and the only real option was the like the Mac Studio wasn't out, and yeah. the MacBook Pro was the only thing that gave me the RAM and the performance I need. Like I obviously do like blogging and stuff, but a lot of my work is Xcode work, right? So I do need like. Right. Some decent some decent performance. And so at the time the MacBook Pro was the only option. And even if it wasn't like the performance criteria, the screen size was like really important to me because I was coming from a fifteen inch MacBook Pro before. Um and so really the sixteen inch was like the natural choice. And I'm really, really happy with this laptop. But when it does come around to mm-hmm. renewal, the kind of Mac Studio with a fifteen inch air lifestyle is definitely appealing. Or maybe by that time the iPad's even like stepped up more and that could fill the, the mobile. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you say that with, I mean, with the, some jest, but I mean, who knows? Yeah. Like, it's getting better, and iPad OS 17 I mean, yeah, is I've, a lot better in that direction because of stage manager improvements, but yeah. I will say, yeah, the stage manager stuff in iPad OS 17 is very, very good to the point where, like, I can actually use it a little mm-hmm. bit, like, without getting frustrated. But on the Mac Studio, I mean, I think I'm going to write about this this week sometime, but just it's such a good computer. It's so nice to have that in the lineup alongside the laptops and the Mac Mini and now the Mac Pro. It's like, for me, I would have never bought a Mac Pro, but the Mac Studio like strikes that perfect balance of being so much smaller and still overpowered for what I need, so it's future-proofed and... I've got it mounted under my desk, like in a little cage thing that I bought on Etsy. It's it's honestly probably the happiest I've been with a Mac ever, at least since the iMac Pro. But you're not going to switch to the M2 one, right? No. no. This M1, what is it, the M1 Max? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's already so overkill. (laughs) That's the thing, like, if you're only doing, like... I'm not. I'm not denigrating by any means, but like quite only doing like writing like jobs. Oh yeah. Like yeah. I mean, you could. You don't even need the Max really. Like most of the time, you could just get away with the the base one. With you know, it's only you even even like uh, M2 Pro right. If you're really pushing it, like it's just, it's only the RAM situation yeah. that becomes a somewhat of a question mark. But for most yeah. people, you can get you can just have the base model. Like that's the thing. For most people in the world, you can just have base model model MacBook Air. And be perfectly fine with everything, which is such a great place to be. Because for the longest time, you would always have to spec up to actually have like a competent Mac, right? Like the base model one was okay, but if you actually want to get anything like proper done, you kind of had to run up the la- run up the ladder, and that meant you were entering MacBook Pro territory, and it got very expensive very quickly. And Apple Silicon gave us a very very competent, you know, basically all mm-hmm. All persons use cases in the available for the cheapest price. Like even the M1 999 was a decent option, right? But then you you know it had the old design language and it wasn't as nice. So then you have the 13 inch M2 MacBook Air, which is now $100 cheaper as well, which is fantastic. And then if the screen size problem was an issue, now they have the 15 inch. Like it's like really hard to criticize. Uh, it just seems like such a good lineup. Um, mostly enabled by the you know the the Intel to Apple Silicon transition more than anything. Because you can't really like look at the lower end of the line and be like, "There's a there's not really many compromises anymore." Like it, the high end, the high end chips are really high end. Like, and you Did can get I away with just you, the base model Apple silicon chips for almost every case. Like, I use this MacBook 16 MacBook Pro mm. even doing Xcode tasks. It's very rare. Like, it's actually needing the you know, it's actually stressing it. It's like it's such a weird crossover of of reality. Yeah, and the thing about the MacBook Air too on the like the difference in screen size is that the base model M2 MacBook Air is that eight core CPU, eight core GPU configuration where two of the GPU cores are turned off mm-hmm. basically. But the base model of the 15 inch M2 is eight core CPU and ten core GPU. So and then if you spec up the 13 inch to match that. I think you're looking at just a what is that? That's it's one hundred dollars difference, yeah. One hundred dollar difference, yeah. So you're getting the basically so, the screen size difference is a hundred dollars, yeah. Yeah, plus the two extra GPU cores, plus the 15 inch comes with either the dual port USB C power adapter thing or the 
70 watt like super fast GAN charger. So you get that you get that charge pretty... on the th- on the 13 inch with the same CPU spec though. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Best... So like if you get the base model binned M2 chip, it only comes with right. a silly power adapter. But if you get the one that's the higher end model, then it comes with a non bin chip, which is the same, okay. as, which is identical yeah. to here, and you get the choice of the power adapter in as well. Yeah. But yeah, the difference between the two base models at two hundred dollars is. It's just, or yeah, two hundred, no, a hundred dollars. Yeah, like what for like, it? it's a hundred dollar difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so to pay just that and get the fifteen inch screen, I think this thing is gonna be quite a hit. I mean, you used to have to pay twenty five hundred dollars to get a big screen. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, such a big jump uh, in price to get up to the MacBook Pro level. Um, and in most cases, it's just not worth it. Like the value for money proposition no. on a. $1,500 MacBook Air is just, like, wild compared to... Like, obviously, the MacBook Pro is nicer. It's the better screen, and the performance is better. But, like, your dollars go far less once you go up to that level. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Which is kind of the same with the Mac Studio, right? Like, the base model Mac Studios are, again, covering most people's use cases far and beyond anything. Um, but they do have the Ultra and the Max, you know, the higher-end options if you need it. And we mm-hmm. have seen some benchmarks this week, obviously, as the new Mac Studio and Mac Pro are available, uh, that do kind of paint a surprisingly good picture that the the bench, the real-world benchmarks on many tasks are actually exceeding the, like, 20 to 30% thing that Apple's quoting. Um, so if you, do, if you are doing those high-intensive workloads, uh, the M2 Max slash M2 Ultra generation are actually surprisingly good so like the ultra like last year i feel like the the difference between the max and the ultra on the m1 um platform was less different whereas this year there's actually more of a gain you can get by going up to the ultra chip obviously you're paying a lot more right because it's like twice right. the price but um you actually are getting pretty distinct performance there so people that really really care about performance can actually get something that's very competent uh that doesn't stretch as well to the Mac Pro because obviously the Mac Pro has the exact same chip as the Mac Studio. And the previous Mac Pro was the Intel thing that was like modular and completely upgradable in so many different dimensions. Mm-hmm. So you could easily like... Uh, I don't think... I think on CPU, the M2 Ultra beats it on every on every spec you could order. But obviously on GPU, it's nowhere close because in the Intel Mac Pro, you could just have like four dedicated graphics cards. And on the Apple Silicon Mac Pro, you only have integrated graphics. Um, but despite only having degree graphics, you still have the exact same case that's huge, so it feels like such a waste of space. Apple likes to promote mm-hmm. the idea that those PCI slots um, are used for niche cases, with, especially with like audio cards and you know advanced networking, and you can have a lot more internal storage um, if you want yeah. to. And so you know there are some like uh, studios, like video studios, that like having all of their raw files locally instead of doing it over a network like system. And so, okay, sure, the Mac Pro exists for those cases. But I think the real thing, the unspoken truth that obviously Apple won't tell you, but the Mac, this generation of Mac Pro was originally going to have the quad, the, the dual Max chip, the quad, you know, the, the M2 Extreme, for lack of a better name for it. Right. right. So that mm-hmm. would have given it the, you know, the dedicated reason to exist, the set, you know, that we double the double the performance of an M2 Ultra on both CPU and GPU, as well as even higher Max RAM. The GPU performance yeah. would have got way, way closer to like top of the end graphics cards you can get on the Windows side right now by just doubling the doubling the Ultra's you know seventy six cores or whatever or however many cores one hundred ninety two is it something like that. So I think it's seventy six core GPU. So you get you get double you get like one hundred fifty yeah. core GPU if the extreme had actually come to pass. 
as we know, it didn't happen. And so this is kind of what we're left with, which feels a bit extraneous. Uh, yeah. At least they didn't kill it off entirely, I guess, is the is the, is the the upside I you guess, can see. Yeah. Like, my hope is that they don't give up on the extreme idea. And maybe with the M3 or the M4, they try again and make another dual chip that actually gives the Mac Pro something to just, just, just distinguish it by. With the M3, too, if with that using a 3 nanometer mm-hmm. process, that should make the idea of an M3 M- three extreme both more feasible and just even more insane performance than what <laughs> yeah, we already would have seen because the heat uh issue would be less right but you still yeah. have i think the main problem that like mark german said for the extreme was this this time around was just yields and like tsmc were using yeah, so much that's... silicon wafer to try and do it and they weren't getting the yields they need and it's only for a mac pro which is such a niche case like they might as well use that silicon um capacity for the the products that actually sell in quantity so until they can sort that out, uh, that's probably the holdup. I don't know if going from five nanometers to three nanometers improves yield. I feel like it probably makes yield even worse. Heard yeah, it, exactly, because yeah. it's a new process and it requires, at least at first. Yeah, yeah. So, I, but I, I think the fact they didn't kill off the Mac Pro entirely this time around at least gives some hope that they're still going to try again. And then it would become yeah, like I a hope trophy so. Mac. I just don't see a world ever in which they go back to allowing those those expandable graphics cards or expansion of any sort sure. besides what's already possible. Yeah, because I can imagine that like the engineering resource budget for this generation was focused on getting that chip done, right? And yeah. it, it, you know, ultimately they had to scrap it. And so you get a kind of like quote-unquote disappointing generation. But you can imagine that let's say next for M3 uh, for the, or for the next generation Mac Pro, They'll know maybe, oh, okay, well, we're not actually going to be able to pull off the high-powered silicon design, right? So we actually have more now mm-hmm. capacity to shrink the chassis to make it more, like, you know, proportionate to the, to what we actually need it to be. So, like, they can redesign the casing to make it smaller and more compact. And then it then it has much more of a relevancy, whereas right now it's just, it's just like a you buy this box and 80% of it's empty space, you know? So... Yeah. It's just an awkwardness of the lineup based on the design constraints that they couldn't achieve this time around. Uh, so I'll be interested to see who who buys a Mac Pro, like among the because there were obviously some YouTubers and podcasters who were big fans of the previous Mac Pro. Like I know MKBHD mm-hmm. had like a forty thousand dollar configuration, but I believe that he has switched to the Mac Studio in the meantime and interested to see if any of those types of people beyond the professional audio people that apple likes to refer to if any of those other people see a benefit over what the mac studio offers yeah because i think the 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 2019 mac studio the configuration had like 768 gigabytes of ram right but you can't even spec that on this one right so like and the the ram spec is the is the same on the mac studio as the mac pro so if you're just trying to max out on the CPU, GPU, and RAM, there's no reason to get the Mac Pro because it's identical in the studio. So yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a no man's land it's, at the moment, right? <laughs> but. Yeah, you just you have to wonder what's next, if anything's next, if this was the last ditch effort just to appease people who wanted an Apple Silicon Mac Pro, and now they realize that maybe. They don't need one, mm-hmm. and 
Apple can move forward. I mean, the design thing, I think, like you said, is a big part of it. I've been thinking a lot about that 2013 like trash can style yeah. Mac Pro, something like that, that's with Apple Silicon and still expandable. That would be, just from a design standpoint, that would at least be cool. That's the thing. This Mac Pro doesn't have any coolness to it. It's just run-of-the-mill. Well, it does have a great fan system. That's cool. <laughs> for, for a machine that doesn't really need one anymore. Yeah. yeah. That was the other thing, by and the way. The Mac people... Studio M2, yeah. supposedly the fans yep. of it announced that they're not as loud, yeah, which is nice. Which I never noticed that on the first-generation Mac Studio, but for for those people, it's nice. I guess it really depends on how hard you're pushing it and for how extended periods of time you're pushing it. Happy Hour This Week is sponsored by JLab. JLab imagines and delivers the personal technology products that consumers want, including top-of-the-line earbuds. Meet the ultimate solution for the working professional. JLab workbuds in-ear headset are the best earbuds for calls. With 55 hours of total playtime, you'll have more than enough juice for all of your personal calls, work calls, and conference calls. If you use your phone as a phone, these buds are for you. Say goodbye to muffled audio and say hello to crystal clear communication with the detachable noise cancelling boom mic that can fit onto either earbud. And the whole thing comes with a convenient USB-C charging dock that keeps everything organized and charged in a case that also can power the things while you're not using them. The earbuds just snap right in. And you can use the JLab app and Bluetooth multipoint technology to switch between multiple devices and customize your sound for your personal preferences. So get your JLab workbuds today using our promo code 9to5MacJLab15 and get 15% off when you order on JLab.com. That's promo code 9to5MacJLab15 for 15% off. Thanks to JLab for sponsoring the show. So, the Vision Pro. Vision Pro. What do you think about the name before we actually dive in? I like the name. I know last time... I was I was hosting with you. We were talking about how we didn't really like the Reality Pro mm-hmm. name, didn't really like Reality OS, but we were both struggling to come up with anything better. So I think Vision Pro is great, and Vision OS is great. And it's impressive that it didn't really leak beforehand. It, so it was cool to have that that little bit of a surprise when Apple announced it. Yeah, during the um, talk show, uh, yeah. Jaws React like, kind of mentioned that, right? And he was like, we told no one. Um, and you can kind of see like, that apparently, in the WWC videos because they they either refer to it as like the spatial computing platform or they call it the device or they call it XROS. <laughs> like, so obviously right. they were the only people that were told the Vision Pro name were the people who had to record for the actual keynote, right? Um, and there was only yeah. like... Well, one thing they kind of implied during that talk show is that not even, not even Mike Rockwell, the guy who was in charge of Vision Pro's, like, development new, the Vision Pro name. Until I think, he recorded the segment. Until Monday. It, oh, yeah, until he recorded yeah. it, yeah. Because, obviously, he had to, he basically run the whole thing. Um, yeah, I think the name's good. Obviously, the Pro modifier hints at the future, right? Where, obviously, they're going to try and get a cheaper, more mainstream model available. Um, and so, if you if that wasn't the case, it would just, put, just be called, like, Apple Vision, which does a pretty good job at encompassing mm-hmm. both sides of the virtual reality and the augmented reality without including the word reality, right? Like, I think it's a pretty good name. And it has plenty of scope for future as well. Like, if you, you know, you go on the five-year, ten-year timeline, 
you can imagine doing like vision glasses and stuff you know like there's clearly ways for yeah. them to expand it so they don't feel like pigeonholed in um you know the vision pro two word moniker is a bit cumbersome but that's just because this is the pro model right and it's a great way of addressing the the reality that they know this is going to be a small scale thing at least at first right and once they come out yeah. with the non-pro version then they'll be going for a more um high volume mass market sale so yeah i think the name's good uh, and it's Vision Pro and Vision OS, uh, which is which is fine. Um, let's start with the hardware design, right? So it kind of looks... I was surprised at how similar to all of the renders um, and the leaks running up to mm-hmm. the thing that it actually ended up looking like. Uh, obviously, our colleague Ian Zelbo did the render, the infamous render from about three years ago now based on the information <laughs> um, drawings. And then he did a follow-up rendering about a week or so before the keynote, right? Like, reiterating everything that everybody's heard up to now. And those renderings look great, but I was... And I didn't, like, um, doubt the, the the sourcing or anything of, of like that. But you just know, like, most of the time when people make renders and stuff before, before it comes out, it doesn't include, like, the realities of making a real product. Like, you know, there has to be a hole here and mm-hmm. there has to be, like, a exhaust fan here and there has to be holes for these cameras. And, you know, like, you, you get what I mean, right? Like, there's always those little, like, oh, yeah. bits and bobs that kind of... that a render doesn't bother including, but the real product has to have for it to function. And I was surprised at how close the real thing actually looks like to the renders because it is... You know, if you look at the headset itself, it's a very thin, you know, not much thicker than an iPhone, I'd say, aluminium enclosure. And then it has the curved glass front. And there are holes or at least transparent sections for all the cameras. But if you just look at it straight on, and especially when the the eyesight screen's lit, I think all those cameras will be non-visible to the human eye, or at least as non-visible as, like, the camera inside the true-depth camera system on an iPhone, right? So, like, you know, if you look up really close, Mm -hmm. you can see them, but at a distance, it's just going to look like one pane of glass, which is really cool. And, like, the actual headset is thin. The thing that makes it look bulky and big is the, the, you know, the attachment to actually make it fit over your head. So you have, like, the light seal part, and then you have the you know, the quite thick band that runs down the side of your face because obviously that has to include the audio speakers. Right. And then you have the massive... Mm-hmm. Do they have a name for the, the strap bit at the back? Um, Like, that's pretty big. So I, think they're, I think they're calling it the headband, aren't they? Yeah, it might be the headband, yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, it's headband. And you know that's the marketing name because it's capitalized <laughs> in Apple's press release, so... Yeah, so that, that, that was probably the part that I was most surprised by just by the looks because... The headband is quite big. Like, it's just a big thing it, that goes on the back of your head. And it's... The benefit of that, I think, is that it's it's very soft and it's very breathable. As opposed to... Because some of the renders... I mean, the biggest thing the renders got wrong was that band mm-hmm. design. And the the original render from the information basically just showed an Apple Watch, like, sport loop style band. Which never really made much sense i mean those are rubber and you don't want rubber running through your hair and that would hurt mm-hmm. especially after a long period of time so yeah this the the headband is thick and big but at least when i got to wear it it was soft and i was happy that they went with something that's a little less elegant maybe but a lot more practical it probably has to be that big to offset for the weight right because like 
That's true too. But some of the rumors running up to the thing were like it only weighs two hundred grams or something, or like it's lighter than the competition. I, you've obviously worn it, right? But the Apple hasn't disclosed yeah. a weight number, which implies that it's quite heavy. Uh, and I think you kind of agree with that, right? Based on trying it on. Yeah, yeah. It's the best way I've been able to describe it is that it's like AirPods Max where it feels heavy because of the materials that Apple's using as opposed to like the meta products, which are mostly plastic. But in comparison to AirPods max, it's that weight is distributed quite a bit differently. So I think the, that's why the headband on the back, like you said, is so important to help offset that weight and make it feel snug to your face. And something else I think that, exists to help that problem a little bit is the light seals which goes around your eyes to block out the real world around you but those also help keep it snug right on your face and prevents that prevents the headset from kind of sliding down and slipping down and during the demos too apple told me that they only had a small selection of the light seal sizes available for press they didn't have the full range which apparently will be quite expansive. So what I wore fit well, but it sounds like when this product actually launches, what you'll be the fit you'll be able to get then will be even better. Yeah, a lot more customized to your actual head shape. Because, um, yeah, some, some reviewers that also got to try it out did note, like, they had a bit of light leakage and stuff, and they also got the same line from the, the yeah. PR people that basically, like, you know, we don't have all the light seals yet, so... You know, hold off on hold off from complaining too much on that, and um, because you yeah, I didn't notice the light leaking as much as I did just a little bit of it. Kind of, I don't. It's hard to explain, but it kind of leaned forward slightly. Mm-hmm. It was a little front heavy, but they said to the again the the extra light seal. Yeah, because that's the, the thing, right? Perfected. Because it's like the light seal fits into the the obviously the bulk of the weight is in that tiny like one inch metal bit, right? where the actual chips are and everything right Um, and Mm -hmm. so if the heads if the light seal like is like almost putting it on a extended cord for lack of a better word because it's like you know it's not you're not like got the you haven't got the the band flush to your face it's going through the seal so if the seal's not right then you'll have it like tip forward kind of which sounds like what you're describing exactly yes that's it because i know especially like most people said the weight obviously they could feel the weight but it wasn't um you know a deal breaker the only exception that i saw um, in the impressions of people was from Sarah Dietschy, the YouTuber. Uh, mm. She said it was quite heavy and almost like too heavy, even for the half an hour demo. Um, yeah, but that, again, Jason that might Snell be the seal at Six the, Colors mentioned yeah. that too. Yeah, Jason Snell mentioned that as well. Yeah, um, but again, I think it's true that it's nowhere near as light as some of the rumors were, you know, hyping up to be. Uh, but most people yeah. I saw said it was acceptable, acceptable, and it felt comfortable. And we still have to wait for the different light seals. And I believe the headband itself has different sizes too. Because if you look on the AR version of it, it has like a little M inscribed on it. You know, like how the, yes. the ear cups on mm-hmm. a um, AirPods Max do. It has that on, on the headband of the headset as well. So there'll be different sizes of that, different sizes of the light seal. And you also have an optional top strap, which they don't show in basically yeah. any of the marketing materials. But I believe everybody who did the... 30 minute demo war so did you wear that as well yeah. yes i did and that so i so i guess to back up and mm-hmm. explain kind of how my demo happened was i went 
directly from the keynote to Steve Jobs Theater, where I saw the MacBook Air and the Mac Pro and the Mac Studio and all of that. But I only had like 15 minutes there. Then I got on a golf cart and went to that field house building that Apple's built directly for Vision Pro demos. So I was I had the headset on within like probably 45 minutes of the keynote wrapping up. So that's one thing I didn't have a whole lot of time to formulate questions. So when I put it on, I don't even I didn't even process that they hadn't really talked about that top strap very much. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I wish I would have asked about it, but it seems like what they've said to other people is that the whole band system isn't quite finalized yet, but that I guess that top headband is going to be a configurable option depending on your head shape and your head size. And yeah, they, 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 they do said show during it the keynote. for like two seconds during the, two sec- yeah, during yeah. the WWC video, but otherwise everyone else shown wearing it doesn't have the top strap. So I... I imagine they're trying, like, that's not just a, because th- I saw some people on Twitter and stuff being, like, snarky about it, like, oh, they're pulling one over on everybody, right? Like, you know, it has to have this even bulkier headshot. Like, I, I don't think that's the intent. I think it's more like most no, people I are going to wear it as you as it's shown, right? And the head strap's there for people that really struggle with weight or it really doesn't fit for them. Like, it's like the backup plan, not the default configuration. And that's a good, that flexibility is something I think that's really important. And Apple acknowledging that they might have to compromise a little bit on the design mm-hmm. to make sure it fits people. And it goes back to the the line during the keynote that got a lot of laughs, but they studied thousands of heads. <laughs> like there's a lot of head shapes and sizes, so you have to compromise. And that's clearly a compromise that as of right now seems like it'd at least be optional. Yeah, but what's not optional is the battery, right? So that's the other yes. part of the hardware design. Um the headset's heavy itself, or relatively heavy, but in addition to that, you also have to carry the the battery pack. So how heavy does the battery pack feel? What does it feel like? Because, again, Apple doesn't share like tech specs or whatever, so it's hard to gauge the scale of that kind of thing. Yeah, it feels a lot just like, you know, those like, I know Anchor is a big brand. They make those portable kind of elongated mm-hmm. external battery packs that you can charge your iphone they're and kind of like with. the size of an iphone right but they're like denser yeah, yeah. a little bit more narrow iphone mm-hmm. maybe but and taller but it's basically that size and it's heavier than even an iphone 14 pro max okay. but not too heavy but most of my demo occurred sitting on this couch in a little private room and so the battery pack was just sitting next to me on that couch but at one point they did have me like stand up and move around the room. So I put the, they, they told me to hold the battery pack in my hand. And I was like, well, no, I want to put it in my pocket (laughs) because I think that's how I'd use it. And I did. And it was fine. It was, I didn't notice it getting in the way. I didn't notice it feeling super heavy or the cable being too short. Did you plug in the cable yourself? No, it was plugged in and anything I asked about the battery pack or swappability or connector types, they Demurred. kindly yeah. told me to shut yeah. up, basically. <laughs> yeah, because I think practically it has no internal battery itself. So you take the battery, the, right. the whole reason it has this like really careful magnetic locking system where you have to rotate into place or whatever is the fact that if it get, ever gets dislodged it's the whole thing's going to shut off and you're just going to see black inside right so 
that is the big like for me the battery pack isn't a um an impairment in terms like obviously it'd be better if it was all in one but you know practically it's not going to happen for a while um the, the, I mean, I'd rather have this battery pack than have even more exactly right. Yeah, yeah. like if you didn't have the weight problem, obviously you'd have it internal, right? Um, but like the 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 fact that you have to carry the separate battery pack is not the not the criticism I would draw on it. The criticism is the two hour battery life and the fact that you can't like swap the packs out without the whole thing shutting down. Like that's the more that's the more restrictive element of it, not the ergonomics of the physical thing. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that the battery life is short, um, and there's no affordance for hot swappability so like you're it doesn't seem like that if you even if you bought a second battery pack the whole thing's going to shut down which we actually spoke about if you remember a couple of weeks ago on on happy hour it was like what, what are they yeah. going to do if you have like a two-hour movie and it's like well maybe you just <laughs> you can only watch yeah. for two hours and that basically seems to be yeah. the suggestion at least at this at this time and i think if they had a better answer they would have said it you know yeah i mean even if you have to shut down the headset entirely, at least you can still presumably switch to another mm-hmm. battery. It's not an ideal situation, but it's sort of like it's sort of like taking a MacBook and being able to shut it down, but then when it dies and when it comes back on, it's super quick. Yeah. Like you don't really notice it and it remembers all of your window placement and everything. Like, Apple kind of has that tech, and it's gotten a lot better over the years. So I think that's it's still nice to have that solution as opposed to having a cable connected to a battery that's completely fixed. Mm-hmm. No, 100%, yeah. And, like, if it reboots really quickly, it's not, like, the big... Although it's still annoying if you're watching, like, a three-hour... Like, oh, like yeah. it did make no, me laugh. <laughs> the demo video that you saw, the 3D video, which we talked about later on, but that was Avatar The Way of Water, which is a three-and-a-half-hour film, and it's like... Yeah, you know you can you can't watch three and a half hours in one in one shot, but I think in those cases they're expecting people to use it plugged in practically, whereas plugged into the wall the whole time. At least that's the kind of impression that I got. Why do you think? I why think... do you think the battery pack is that big specifically to give you two hours? Like, why didn't they do like a battery pack that was twice as thick and you got four hours? Do you have any insight into that? I think the balance of what they have now is probably the ideal solution in terms of size Mm -hmm. and battery life. I mean, like I said, I didn't notice it being a hindrance at all in how it's designed now, but if it was twice as big, I think that would be a problem, especially when you put it in your pocket. I mean, at certain points, like your pants are going to fall down and that's, that's an important design consideration. And then the speakers, or they don't call them speakers; they call them like audio pods, which are yeah. basically where the temples are on the on the band, and they're little like bulges mm-hmm. on the left and right. And they, I don't know. Can you speak to like the audio quality? Like, is it roughly the same as wearing AirPods? A bit worse? A bit better? Like, where does it kind of land? So I think the audio quality itself is a little bit worse than AirPods Pro. Then the noise cancellation's not quite as good. And obviously you've got noise it, leakage, right? Because they're not buds. Right? Yes, yeah. that and that was something else that was kind of hard to get a read oh, on sure, because yeah, yeah. the two people in the room were Apple employees. Yeah, exactly. So. Like like all your impressions are based on for thirty minute controlled demonstration. So like no right. one's gonna hold you to the fire if you say like something's really good when you know it turns out in practice that it was yeah. something that Apple wasn't, you know, 
was being a bit was being a bit sneaky about. But in general, Apple was pretty honest, you know. But uh, for a thirty minute demo, you're getting pretty relevant reactions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so the noise cancellation's not as great, and there's the leakage of the sound, but the spatial audio just with the headset on i found to be significantly better than spatial audio on airpods pro or airpods max and i'm sure that's more of a that's like a combination of all of the Mm -hmm. immersion like your the your senses are just more in the moment more even overwhelmed so i'm curious to try vision pro with airpods pro connected and see if it's able to make that experience even better yeah because one of the things they talk about is like the they do like audio ray tracing so like they kind of work out Mm -hmm. the timber of the room and apply that sound effect to what you hear um to try and make it even more realistic right as if it was noise coming from the room which probably helps with the spatial effect too and something that um paul hudson who is one of the developers who's does like he does Mm -hmm. like a popular website and he got a 30 minute demo too one of the things they told yep. him was that uh, because this thing has a fan in it, right, and it has like you know exhaust holes on the top and bottom, and the you know the air comes in the bottom and goes out the top, and the the fan's in there, but it, obviously it's like quiet, or whatever. But part of the way that they counteract the fan noise is they play the opposite frequency as part of the soundtrack that you hear. So oh, if the fan's okay. going, it's like noise cancelled out itself, uh, which I thought was interesting. So it kind of doubly dulls out the fan noise. One thing I know I've heard a lot of people asking about is using AirPods Max with the Vision oh, what, Pro. In terms of covering the, yeah. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think that in both of the current designs, based on what we've seen, it's not going to be possible. Mm-hmm. And it's especially not going to be comfortable. Because as I said a few minutes ago, I mean, AirPods Max are heavy themselves. That's a lot of weight to be putting on your head. But one thing Apple did say is that the band designs on Vision Pro are going to be, like, swappable. It's an entirely modular setup. And if we ever get new AirPods Max, I think that could be a design consideration for those, too. But as of right now, I just don't think... As good as that experience would be, I don't think it's possible. They could sell you, like, a different band that doesn't have audio buds in it at all right like that's true and that would that would help some of the weight concerns too i'm assuming yeah especially if you're taking it on a plane because obviously one of the things they show in the video is someone watching a film with airpods pro in their ears mm-hmm. but it looks kind of silly that you also have these like big bulges on the left and right when you're not actually using them at all because you're using it with paired headphones um so yeah maybe they could sell optional obviously like, it wouldn't be the default experience but they could sell like head straps and stuff that don't have the speakers in and Mm-hmm. Just with the implication that you're going to use um, your own headphones. Happy Hour This Week is also brought to you by FastGrowingTrees.com. Breathe some life into your own backyard with FastGrowingTrees.com this spring. Trees are a great way to add some privacy and shade to your home, while also looking great, showing off the beauty of nature. Let FastGrowingTrees.com help you plant your dream garden with their expert advice and fast shipping. Go to FastGrowingTrees.com slash happy hour now to get 15% off your entire order their plant experts curate thousands of easy to grow plant shrub and tree varieties for your climate knowing what to plant can be daunting it's hard to know what is best for your particular climate and soil but no need to worry fastgrowingtrees.com gives you customized recommendations based on your specific needs 
And no more waiting in long lines to haul heavy plants home from the garden centre. With FastGrowingTrees.com, you order online and your plants arrive at your door in just a few days. Now, Zach isn't here to talk himself this week, but you've heard him talk about them before in previous episodes. He got two plants from Fast Green Trees, a fiddle leaf fig tree and an areca palm tree. I've seen photos of them on his porch and they look great and they keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's just lush greenery for his house. I know he loves them. Join over 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash happy hour now to get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Fast Growing Trees for sponsoring the show. So rounding out on the like hardware itself, the thing has incorporates 12 cameras and sensors. It has obviously downward-facing cameras that track your hands. It has outward-facing cameras that help do the pass-through experience. Plus, it has true-depth camera system and LiDAR for the 3D like sensing and room sensing and 3D photos and stuff. And then it has internally... I think it has infrared cameras that look at your eyes because the eyesight feature, which mm-hmm. is the thing where it projects your eyes to the outside world, it's not showing... At least this is my understanding. It's not showing a, a video feed of inside the headset it tracks your eyes and what it renders on the headset is your persona, like the 3D avatar right, version. Yeah. And so that's what you actually see on the eyesight display. Obviously, I know in your demo, right, you didn't get to see the eyesight thing in action. No, and so the only person that was photographed or videoed wearing it was Robin Roberts mm-hmm. on Good Morning America. She did like a segment with tim cook and in that video too when she's wearing it and presumably presumably it's at least turned on a little bit the eyesight is not there's nothing to see yeah i'm pretty sure she was getting the same demo that you were getting um Mm -hmm. and the the reason the eyesight's not working is a it might not be fully finished yet and b to do it you have to you have to scan your face in to make a persona in the first place so that it can actually render that on the outside screen because another thing that i didn't realize because in during the keynote they mentioned it's a a lenticular OLED display that's curved. So it's 3D, mm-hmm. so you get depth um, of when someone's looking at it. But what I didn't realize and how it works is something they mentioned during the talk show uh, last week. Um, Mike Rockwell said this. He said that the the way they render the eyes is the headset looks at everybody who's in the room with you and it will render a different viewpoint of your eyes for the positioning of each person in the room. So that's the way mm-hmm. that it makes the effect more... Um, realistic is that it's not just going to be like a forward-facing shot of your eyes. If this person's on to the left of you, they can render a shot of your eyes as if they were looking at you from the left. And the, likewise, if they're on the other side, they're looking at you from the right. And because it's lenticular, it gives you that depth idea. And they can kind of set the perspective back to the head where your eyes would actually be. Because obviously your eyes aren't planted fully at the front of your face painted right. on glass, right? They're obviously further back. And so... That's the thing with this eyesight thing is obviously, you know, you see the photos in the in the market videos and stuff and you don't quite know how it's going to like read in real life. And it is kind of weird, but the the way they describe the technology of how they're doing it makes me more optimistic that in real life it's actually going to not be so awkward and it might actually, you know, it's it's going to look hopefully closer to it just being like a, a transparent screen which is the idea right but the way it was originally presented in the keynote I was like that's not going to work because someone else is going to be at a different angle and it's just going to look like you mm-hmm. know a screen projecting forward but the fact that they're rendering from each person's perspective gives that a lot more depth and sophistication that i hadn't appreciated before so 
obviously we don't know for sure until someone actually gets to look at this for themselves um but i thought that was interesting yeah i didn't i didn't catch that last yeah. week that the eyesight thing i get why apple is doing it and i think it's an important important way to kind of combat the whole disconnection from the world concern but i was i was worried about how realistic the the eyes would be but based on what you just described that that makes me more it, 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 it at least gives you more hope right that it's not going to be stupid right <laughs> and i imagine if it you know if you really really don't like how it looks they might offer a setting to, for you to turn it off right like it's not an essential part of the experience to you the user it's only to there you. to help other yeah. people like that's what's funny about it is that of this three and a half grand headset how much of the bill of materials is on stuff that offers you no real benefit like you know that lenticular True. 3d yeah. oled display has got to be pretty expensive and they've got to have outside sensors to show your eyes and render that in real time which also impacts the battery life and you can kind of count all of the pass-through video which doesn't really give you any benefit right mm-hmm. because you yeah. could just not wear it <laughs> like, like like there's so much <laughs> stuff they have to do just to get back to like a baseline of normality before they can actually enhance any of the experiences over the top of it um so that's why it makes me really curious for like the the future generation models like um mark german had a bloomberg newsletter at the weekend where he was talking about like speculating on ways they can make it cheaper for like a second generation but like you know five hundred dollars of the cost is probably just on the stuff you have to have for the thing not to be weird so like this is never and five hundred dollars is the entire cost of the meta headset right the meta quest 2 and meta quest 3 like mm-hmm. in terms of the second generation model that's cheaper you're still looking at a product that's going to be very expensive so like i feel like people have got to kind of readjust their or recalibrate themselves because it doesn't seem like apple's going to be like well for the apple vision non-pro yeah just forget about the eyesight thing and forget about the nice pass right. like that's like a defining feature of the product like they can't just get rid of it i don't think anyway. i think too on the cheaper the idea of a cheaper headset, I think it's entirely possible that even Apple doesn't know yet what exactly it's going to cut mm. versus keep for to get that cost down because they, they're waiting on feedback from users. Mm-hmm. Like They got this feedback from the press and some developers after last week and the demos, but this thing might get into the hands of quote-unquote real people and the feedback could be that the eyesight thing is terrible. The eyesight thing could be simpler or more of a more of like a video feed style thing and they can they can pick and pull parts once they know exactly what people want it's sort of like like we've said a million times it's like the apple watch the feedback that they got on that that first version clearly informed what they did going forward for for sure for sure so let's kind of move the solid gold Apple Watch. (laughs) yeah the feedback was nobody bought that so we don't need to carry on with it um, but you can easily see, like, you can almost imagine them pivoting a bit, like, because an easier way to make mm-hmm. this a lot cheaper would be to cut out all the pass-through stuff. Like, they obviously yeah. presenting it as an, uh, they literally call it an entirely new AR platform with a revolutionary product. But a lot of the stuff they demo is basically a VR experience, which I think is just a, a, a byproduct of what they can ship today. Like, you know, if mm-hmm. because because. To have the light still thing, you're basically making a VR experience, right? And, and the pass-through makes it like a, a pseudo-VR experience, but it's really like, that's how they make it AR-ish, right? Like, if they could ship a thin and wet, lightweight pair of glasses, you wouldn't have a light seal, so you wouldn't be able to do VR at all. It would be AR only, right? 
So what they have in this bigger, bulkier thing that is, you know, the reality of the state of the art today, they kind of have to lean into the VR stuff somewhat for it to make sense. Because it'd be kind of ridiculous if you had to put this whole thing on and then you couldn't immerse yourself in a completely different world. You could only ever do like an AR experience just because of the the actual physical hardware kind of belies itself but i can imagine maybe as like an like an expansion of the product line like they carry on having vision pro and they even have the vision non-pro that's still ar focused but you could imagine them maybe doing like a vision vr or whatever they want to call it that is only you know watching a which is only designed for doing gaming in a fully immersive world doing a facetime Mm -hmm. call um where like you can't see the outside world but you can just see the other person for instance you can collaborate on documents and you can even do like um um like games and the you know that kind of stuff with that and then then if you're doing vr only then you could really cut the price down because you don't need any of the external cameras you don't need the eyesight display because you don't even need to like convey to other people that they can see you because you just can't like that might be a way for them to get a much cheaper model like let's say they really do feel competitive pressure from the oculus side of life one way they could get closer to a five like a five hundred dollar a thousand dollar version is by just doing a vr only product um or at least getting much closer to that. Like, I don't think that would be unappealing because a lot of the stuff that they show is basically a VR experience, right? Like, and, and then you can, you know, your your safety net is the pass through to the real world. So I think that's something that they might at least consider. But that's obviously a, a speculation for much longer down the line, right? They got they got to ship this thing first before they worry mm-hmm. about anything else. Um, let, I yeah. I think you're right that it's something they could consider. But I think they put such an emphasis on being able to control that level of immersion. And that was such a big part of the narrative around. Not only can you control that level of immersion, it can dynamically adjust like when someone mm-hmm. enters your field of view. So I, I don't think to that's, turn like, around, that's the Vision Pro. Though, yeah. right? like they could have like a, a yeah. divergent product line like they have iPad and iPad mini, for instance. Right. Like I don't think it's so that's inherent true. that it. Like I don't think they're going to drop the AR stuff because that's clearly the the ultimate future, mm-hmm. right? So they carry on with the v, with the AR VR mixed reality product line. But you can imagine doing. I think I can at least imagine doing some sort of offshoot, which is much more like, you know, the iPod Touch of headsets kind of kind of idea for like gaming and entertainment exclusively. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's talk about the and- UI paradigms kind of now because they call this spatial computing. That's their phrase for it, which isn't a terrible phrase because it's kind of like implying that you're doing computing tasks in a you know, spatial environment in, by putting windows in space and by interacting in space, but you're not doing like a metaverse experience where you're like getting transported to a wholly different world to, to be, to live in a different world, right? That, that's not the idea. It's like, right. you're in your own environment. Here's some stuff you can do. And when we even do the VR like stuff, the fully immersive stuff, it's not a, you're meant to live in this environment. It's just like, you're in this environment to watch a mm-hmm. film and then you're done. You're back in the real world or whatever. Um, so I think spatial computing is a pretty clever like brand name for it. Uh, they say it's controlled by your hands, your eyes, and your voice. Um, yes. So we'll kind of go in reverse order because it's from like least to most interesting, kind of. So voice, they only show they show dictation by looking at a search field, and it dictates the URL. It dictates like the search. That's what they show in Safari. And supposedly you can look at mm-hmm. any text field and just talk to type, which is and least idea but then for about two seconds they show the siri orb because you can talk to siri on the thing but as far as i'm aware that wasn't demoed at all like there's no other like in the in the wwc video they show the siri orb but they don't actually show it like 
doing the query, which is kind of hilarious. Right. Um, and yeah. in the 30 minute demo they do, they don't talk about Siri at all, right? Like you didn't do any voice stuff. No, it didn't do any voice things. And we also didn't do any typing on like the virtual mm-hmm. keyboard, which is something they went a little bit more in depth on during a session. The idea of how they designed that virtual keyboard to feel as natural as possible, but while also saying like the best text input method beyond dictation is just connecting your Bluetooth keyboard. But yeah, during the demo, the only way I got to interact with vision OS was through the eyes and the, the hand gestures, which I think is like the golden jewel of the product. Like that is the oh, absolutely, yeah, that's like the best part. So like the, the 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 lack of emphasis on voice was kind of funny in context of the rumors where like the the um yeah. the Mike Rockwell's team had like asked like for what the Siri team can do to help the headset, and they were like disappointed <laughs> with the result. And then here's the demo, and like Siri's like barely mentioned, you know. Um, and the keyboard thing, Mark German reported quite a lot that they were trying to get it so that you could like type in the air without looking at the keyboard so like it would just like you know if you're a touch typist like me or i presume you touch type as well but like you don't actually Mm -hmm. have to like look to see where the letters are to type so the idea would be you could just like type in midair and it would be able to see from your finger movements which letters you're typing i.e typing in midair literally um that wasn't demoed what they demoed in the session was like a a virtual screen comes up with a keyboard on it and you have to like target your fingers the bigger buttons and so I think part of the reason that wasn't like emphasized in the keynote so much was A, they want you to focus on dictation for input, which makes sense. And B, I kind of think that they're trying to do, they're probably in the background trying to do the more advanced typing, you know, on a keyboard that's not really their situation. And that's just not ready yet. So that'll be, you know, bunk to a second generation or of the operating system or the actual hardware itself. Um, the eye tracking is like, Oh. Yeah, that's like wow. Like that is the that is the cool stuff. So do you want to kind of like summarize it because you actually did it, you know? Yeah. So on that main home screen, that kind of Apple Watch honeycomb app grid, the whole idea was just look around at the different app icons, and then once you settled on one, it would and well as you moved around between each of the icons, there was a little kind of circle ring around which one you're looking at and a little bit of a glowing effect as you switched from one to the mm-hmm. other. And then once you settled on what you wanted to open, it was the gesture with your hands where you tap and the app opens. So you, so then, like you like, like tapping is like putting your two fingers together, right? Right. I was using my index finger and my thumb, which is what Apple I think wants you to use based on some of the some of the like guides that they gave to developers during mm-hmm. sessions, it's thumb and index finger to signal that you want to tap on whatever your eyes are looking at. I do wonder what happens if you like put both hands behind your back. <laughs> like, does it just freak out? Yeah. Um, obviously, that's the kind of thing we'll get to test, you know, down the road. Um, but the eye tracking is like obviously eye tracking because because you know you're using your hands to click but you're not really using your hands like in the air like minority report style because that's ergonomically bad because no. it you know it's pretty tiresome to hold your hands up for a long period of time but that eyes are like that was one effortless. of the things yeah. yeah the eyes thing at first it was really hard not for me to want to move my whole head mm. to like look between those icons and look between different things in each application and the apple people would just keep saying like 
you can keep your head still, just move your eyes. And it, I mean, it's, it just feels too good to be true that it works that well. And it's that, it's just a whole new way of interacting with something. I mean, it's hard to get it through your head that all you have to do is look. Because, like, eye tracking exists in very naive forms in other places, but it's, like, mm-hmm. so coarse. Yeah. Like, you you know, you look left or you look right or you look up or you look down. Like, that's a whole different ballgame to, like, having the precision of what this has. Because, like, you look at the UI yeah. that they have and it's not, like, huge buttons everywhere. Like, the, a lot of the UI elements no. are really, really small. And like it has the precision to be able to just like look at the very corner of the window, and then you just it just knows you're like looking at the, the like the window movement control thingy, like the tiny little bar. Like that is so huge. Like eye tracking and to that level as a interaction method is just like that's what I've been thinking about the most. Like ever since that keynote's over. Like in the abstract, like what if you could just like eye track on your laptop like you could just like look at your screen you yeah. know or like on the tv like right now on the apple tv you have like you know hop down left right click 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 swipe 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 like if you could just look and tap your fingers together like that'd be incredible now i know the headset form factor itself helps them achieve it right because it's like you know mm-hmm. you can have the sensors directly point your eyeballs that are like one inch away and doing it from like a 10 foot experience from like a living room tv is probably a lot more you know different different like paradigm challenge but even if this whole headset thing is a complete dud, like the eye tracking is here to stay. Like that UI paradigm where you can just have your hands by your side and you just look at stuff, like that is incredible. Like by a country mark. And yeah. it, that is incredible. And something else, the obvious, the key part of that, as we've said, is the, the hand gestures. And I was so impressed with how well it was able to read my hand gestures just when they were sitting idly on my lap or even right next to my legs, so like on the couch. Because I was expecting that it would be a little bit finicky and you might have to get your hand positioning mm. just right. But the, I guess the, the hardware that they're using is so, is so... Like the field of view to look at basically your lap is so so advanced that the problem that I'm actually worried about is how well it'll be able to detect like intentional hand movements versus like if you're sitting there watching a movie and you might like just move your hands around a little bit and how oh, it'll interpret those yeah, like how does it idle movements versus just, like fiddling yeah. or like actually i guess if they're combining with eye movements then maybe there's like a you know if you haven't like moved your eye to an element then it can just ignore the click kind of situation possibly yeah um, but i know like during my demo, we were watching, I don't know, some 2D movie in one of the, like, the movie theater environment, and I wasn't doing anything with my hands, but I happened to move him slightly, and it brought up, like, the little scrubber bar at the bottom with the playing right, controls. Right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and what, I asked him about this, and I was, like, how, did, how are you going to be able to determine that, and... Their explanation was, I think, similar to like some of like the palm reje- rejection stuff on the iPad with Apple Pencil and the trackpad on the Mac. Like, they think between, like you said, the eyes and the hand movements, they can synthesize both of those to do a better job of cancel out the false positives. Yeah, yeah. And you can imagine some of this is like human training too, where 
you just learn not to move your hand as much or like you'll get you like yeah uh, it's not a huge it's not a huge cost you know to like oh you you learn that oh you can move your hand but only in like this certain way or something you know like and only in these certain circumstances like if you're watching a film you know that oh if you happen to be looking at the bottom of the screen then if you move your hand it's going to bring up the playback controls but you know like you're like some of that you just kind of get used to because the iPhone, for as amazing as its touchscreen experience was, like that took a while for people to get used to too. Especially like zooming in or mm-hmm. like not accidentally like laying your fingers on the screen to like it would like accidentally tap something when you didn't mean to. Because obviously before the iPhone, people could lay their hands on the screen, nothing would happen. So like you know there was training involved there in terms of people like oh you know intention in what you're actually like touching. So I think that translates across to this as well. So I don't think that should be a huge concern. Like the eye tracking situation, it reminds me so much of like, you know how like fingerprint recognition had like such a bad reputation before Touch mm-hmm. ID? And then like, yeah, you know, face recognition was kind of also in that same bucket before Face ID came along and made it so simple. Like the eye tracking thing is kind of that environment or, you know, or like the difference from between resistive touchscreens and capacitive touchscreens that was popularized with the iPhone and multi-touch. Like, yeah. the eye tracking that they're mm-hmm. showing is just so, so good. Um, and I think if you just watch the the keynote video, it's almost, like, unbelievable. Like, it's like, oh, there's no way they just looked over there and it, like, knew what they meant. But, like, obviously, that's why they have all these 30-minute demos with you and other people to, like, no, that's actually legit. Um, so that part I'm, like, so hyped for, the, the eye tracking part. Yeah, I like I said, it's just such a different way of interacting with anything, and I was I was impressed with how how low the learning curve was. Mm. Like at first, I was I think I was a combination of making it more complicated than it really needed to be, and also just like it's overwhelming at first when you first put it on for the first time. But like as I settled in. As I learned more about the some of the UI elements, I mean, Apple was walking me through exactly what to do, and I was like two steps ahead of yeah. them, just because I had already had <laughs> that so had the gestures yeah. and everything nailed. Like, yeah, that is legit. That is incredible. Finally, this week, Happy Hour is brought to you by Ladder. If you're anything like me, you have a certain tendency to put things off until the very last minute. You know, dentists, opticians appointments, filing taxes, that kind of stuff. And it's usually fine, but you shouldn't mess around and wait when it comes to life insurance. Get term coverage life insurance through Ladder today. Go to ladderlife.com slash happy hour to see if you're instantly approved. I started needing glasses in the last year or so, and that thing, it kind of hit me like, I'm getting older, and stuff like life insurance somehow feels immediately more relevant. Life insurance gives you peace of mind to know that your family will be taken care of if the worst happens. And Ladder is a 100% digital service when you apply for $3 million in coverage or less. That means no doctors, no needles, and no paperwork. It's all done online. You just need a phone or laptop to apply. You fill out Ladder's application form, and their smart algorithms will work in real time and tell you instantly if you're approved. Ladder has no hidden fees and you can cancel at any time. Get a full refund if you cancel within the first 30 days. And Ladder's policies are issued by insurers with long, proven histories of paying claims. And Ladder's customers rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot. If you've been thinking about getting life insurance, Ladder is the place to do it. If you aren't sure but you just want some more information, go on Ladder's website, fill out their online calculator and you can see the costs and terms of the plan with no commitment. And as the cost of life insurance goes up as you age, now is the time to act and get it done. So go to ladderlife.com slash happy hour today to see if you're instantly approved. That's L-A-D-D-E-R 
ladderlife.com slash happy hour. One more time, ladderlife.com slash happy hour. Okay, so we've kind of talked about the hardware. We've talked about like the UI interaction paradigm, but this all comes together in terms of what you can actually do with the thing, right? So I believe, and you can mm-hmm. correct me if you're wrong, but your demo kind of started with the like the Windows floating around experience, like the stage manager in augmented reality. Yes, yeah. and that basically consisted of opening, I think it was messages, Safari, and photos next to each other again yeah like you said kind of like stage manager then moving those windows around switching your focus between each of them to so vision os would know which window you were looking at and which and where you wanted the gestures you were performing to be applied and that felt good it felt it felt good it one of the things i think that is most impressive is how you can not only place the windows anywhere around you, but also on top of each other overlapped in the, with that 3d perspective of the windows don't look on top of each other. Like they do on Mac OS. Like there's a realism to sort of the depth Mm. of how they're laid out, which I think makes multitasking significantly easier and less overwhelming. Because obviously on a, on a 2D like MacBook environment, you have overlapping windows, but you can't like peer behind one of the others because you know it's flat 2D. But presumably in the 3D land, when they're on an angle, you can kind of like see the whole window, even if they're actually, you know, would, on a 2D plane, would be obscured by something in front of them. You know what I mean? Right? Like, yeah, and at any time too, you can look at like a little navigation bar at the bottom and tap on it and then pull it towards you or push it back to sort of switch your focus. And maybe we want to look at something a little bit more up close or whatever. Again, it's that 3d element that we haven't really experienced in any other form of, of computing basically. It's really interesting. Like I do have some reservations about how much of it is like more useful than just doing it on like a, 27 inch display like because you can like that's the problem right they're, they're competing against oh here sorry yeah, hold yeah. on just a second FedEx no is here. I am back. back. Got your old stage manager iPad. (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a big box. There must be other stuff. Well, probably a keyboard, I guess. Oh yeah. All right, you good, yeah? Yes, I don't remember where we. Yeah, I was. But I think you repeat that. Yeah. They do have an, an uphill battle, like. I, I, I kind of find it hard to judge how much, if it is better than like a just a traditional Mac desktop, because like the Mac desktop has been optimized and refined over so many years. And like, 
if you have a big screen, you can have so much stuff happening at one time and like flicking between apps and getting stuff done and like those paradigms are really well refined and really well hankered down. So like I that that is one doubt I kind of have looking at like it's really cool and it's really interesting that you can like leave windows there mm-hmm. and move them around and come back to them. But like is it cool or is it useful? Do you know what I mean? Like that is a question I I'm I've unresolved. Like in terms of windowing, like Mm-hmm. Do you, what do you think about that? Obviously, you've got the one who got the demo, so you have a bit more of a yeah. experience. It's hard to know in terms of usefulness or how much better it'll be compared to, like you said, a normal big screen Mac. Mm. Just because I didn't get a whole lot of time and I couldn't, I couldn't like open TweetDeck yeah. and put it here like I would on a computer and put Slack here. And but I mean, I think to your concern, the best of both worlds is going to be using the headset as an external screen for your mac is it though like i have that's one of the things that, i think it's a clever demo but like if you're just putting a headset on to get like another screen for the mac like why not just have a screen on your desk do you get what i mean like maybe but that mac screen can coexist alongside vision apps. os apps yeah so that's going to be... But you could also say you could just put other Mac apps open on the Mac. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's a question mark, right? Like, it's really clever that you can just, yeah. like, look at the screen over Mac and then it just can just project the screen upwards. But I'm in that case, I'm like, you know, I'm carrying the computer around in my head. Like, I kind of want to use the fact <laughs> that I'm carrying the computer around in my head, not also just look at another computer. <laughs> like, I, it's, yeah, that's... it's a hard thing for me to, like, quantify if it's actually going to be useful or not. Like, they use it in the example where they've got, like, uh... a 13-inch laptop... And they've got it like on the bed, and then you or like on a table, and then they put the headset on, and then the, the screen becomes like a 4K 27 inch screen. But it's like I could just have like most people who are doing day to day work have an office set up with an actual screen on the desk, you know? Like that's why I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm well, still guess... I'm trying to quantify like the gimmickiness of it versus the practicality of it. Like I don't know. I guess I mean we saw Apple's focus on this a little bit, but it's being able to go to someplace that's not your desk with just a laptop and be able to get that more that bigger yeah, experience maybe maybe uh, like you you like for two hours two hours is dies, a limit the fact that it's so yeah. big is a limit like there's there's issues with it like, and some of this stuff is like more aspirational in terms of like future hardware like you can imagine you know two or three or four years down the line like when some of the constraints are lifted and stuff like it because you're always you're always fighting this battle of like how convenient it is to like get the headset on your face versus just using the laptop you know and like pressing command tab <laughs> like uh, like there's there's always this yeah. tension and that's the thing that i don't think we'll fully re- really know until we get it but like i'm trying not to get like it's so cool it's a cool product like it is cool but is it like i thought the ipad was, like this is the thing i keep coming back to when the ipad was first announced I thought the iPad was the coolest thing ever, and I thought it was going to take over the world. Yeah, and it didn't, right? Like, for many reasons, the iPad exists. It's a it's a cool device to watch films on, and you know some people get work done on it. But like practically, a lot of people don't, right? And they sell more laptops than they ever done before for a good reason because the laptops are so good. And even the mo- like they're making the iPad better and better, but it's still like. Oh, you gotta have an iPad and a laptop for for a lot of people. Not everybody, and you know it's not it's not like a all encompassing thing. But you can't say that like the iPad took over the world like the personal computer did. You know, like and so mm-hmm. the headset environment. I kind of at the moment still put it in the bucket of like 
it's more in the iPad category. Like, <laughs> but again, that might be short-sighted. It's only the first model. Like, there's lots of stuff and lots of. But it's going to take. I think it's at least going to take years for that to become practical, and it's whether it can ever become practical, right? Because like, even just the operating system itself, there's so much stuff that like macOS shortcuts and you know keyboard commands and jumping around and spotlight and notifications and the dock and the menu bar. Like, there's so much stuff that the Mac has just built up over. 20 years of yeah. development that it's going to be a massive uphill battle for the, for the headset to ever compete against. Or, you know, it's, it, and if they're going to try and they're going to gun for it, then, all, you know, all fair play to them. We'll see how it goes. But I'm, I'm, I am skeptical that, like, practically you're actually going to get anything done with it. Like, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but the entertainment uh, use cases are far more compelling in terms of, like, a short term, like, yeah, this is clearly better. Uh, but they also have their own drawbacks. But, yeah, for the, for the multi-window and stuff, it's like, yeah, that is cool. But is it better than a 2D laptop? That's my that's my question that I don't fully like can say yes to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you hit on something there too about it's a double-edged sword of Vision OS being a completely new platform for the most part. They're starting from zero, and yeah, some of those macOS features that people have been using for decades aren't going to be there. So I think a lot of it is going to come down to and the app and the apps, right? Because most of the apps are going to be coming the from apps, the iPad yeah. side, and uh, you know a lot of iPad apps are pretty good, uh, but there's also the limits. Like you know, there's plenty of reasons why I can't use an iPad for mm-hmm. work. Are those same restrictions going to apply on Vision OS? Probably. You know, like it's a it's an I think it's place. interesting yeah. too that Apple is really pitching it for productivity as one of the biggest benefits being using it as a screen for your Mac. Like they know that most people for most things aren't going to be able to just use what vision OS has to yeah. offer for now. Yeah. They'd be stupid if they so, and that, you could, right? Like, uh, yeah, which mm-hmm. I'm the, oh, I lost my train of thought. Like, you. <laughs> I guess what I was going to say is like, They'd be stupid to, like, pretend otherwise, but also at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's a three and a half grand headset. Like, people have to make these choices right. about what they're going to buy, and I think for a lot of people, it's going to be out of reach. Uh, even, in, like, and I think it's a, it's a bit of a cop-out to say, well, the second-gen model will be cheaper, and that'll be fine. It's like, the second-gen model is still going to be expensive. <laughs> like, like, you know, if this right. is three and a half, the second one might be 2000 that's still expensive than most laptops that Apple sells, right? We just spent the first 10 minutes of the show talking about the fact that the 15-inch is 1500 or whatever it is, and it's so, and that's the most compelling thing ever. Like, this headset's still going to be more expensive than, like, everything else. Like, the iPhone exploded because, you know, the iPhone wasn't the cheapest thing in the world, but it was accessible, and it was available on carrier plans, right? So everyone just got it on a monthly mm-hmm. carrier system. The iPad didn't have that leg up, and the adoption was slower, but not bad, but also it was only a $500 product. And this thing's three and a half thousand and i think even if you go on an optimistic you know five-year timeline you're probably not getting below 1500 you know like so i feel like that's something you have to keep in your mind that like there's this bar of utility that you kind of do have to cross to make it practical like or to make it like a value buy for people because you know the cinema experience is great but like people aren't going to spend 1500 200 three grand just to watch a film you know like at least I don't mm-hmm. think they will. But for all that being said, the, you, you the, watched a film and I bet it was really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was the bulk of the demo. I guess we can yeah. move on to that. The Basically, what they showed 
to everyone who demoed was a 3D movie, which was Avatar in like the James Cameron classic full immersive 3D experience then. So I guess and to just to, to start with that, that was <clears throat> incredible, really. Mm. I mean, I think I had previously had just such mediocre experiences with 3D movies in general. I mean, you go to a theater, you wear plastic glasses, you sit there surrounded by a bunch of other people. It's just not as immersive as a 3D movie should be. A lot be. of the theaters don't like make the lenses right, so the 3Ds are always a bit fuzzy. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of issues with 3D in theaters. Although I, will say I, did, watch, whole... I did watch Avatar Way of Water in 3D and I did enjoy it, but yeah, I can get why you know a custom headset experience can make that so much better because they can optimize it exactly for your eyes they can give you the surround sound etc etc yeah and there i mean there's the whole fad of the 3d tvs Mm -hmm. and how that never how that never came to fruition but 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 what i saw with vision just just for a for a counterfactual why was one of the reasons that 3d tvs never came to fruition because you had to sit there wearing glasses right yeah, and what are you doing here? <laughs> Sitting here wearing a massive headset. Like yeah. there are parallels, unfortunately. I, like I'm just trying to there keep it grounded. Like, it's so I, cool, but yeah, like, yeah, at the yeah. same time, I'm like, you know, you have to kind of come back to reality in some ways. Yeah. That's too, I think, a combination of both the headset itself and the spatial audio component, mm-hmm. and the breakthrough where you can like reach out and see your hand and just combining all of that, I think is probably a better experience than what 3d TVs would have offered. But again, like you're right, you are, that is the 3d movies angle of this headset is an instance of where you are pretty much completely cut off and you're sitting there, you're wearing glasses or a headset and you're watching something and, there's a lot of questions about how practical that will be and how how many people are going to sit there by themselves and do that. But the demo, at least, was impressive. Yeah, like the the individuality aspect of it is, and they kind of tacitly acknowledge it by the fact that when in the video, it's like they show the person w- watching the film on the plane, and it's like, yeah, you're on your own for you know five hours on a plane. Like this thing's fantastic for that. Um, but when you're at home. Because, you know, in the end, when they talk about the price, they, like, say, well, you could buy a, you know, a, a high-def TV, a surround sound system, and you still yeah. wouldn't have all of the capabilities of this headset. And it's like, in the one hand, that's true, but also the TV can be seen by multiple people at the same time, and it's, like, a more social Yeah, experience. that explanation was a cop-out. Yeah, yeah. That reminded me a lot of when they did the HomePod, um, the original HomePod price, and they're like, well, if you take yeah. a Sonos with an Amazon Echo speaker, it's only 300 you know, $400, and we're only 350 but everyone in the audience and, and at home is like, yeah, but that's still too expensive for what you're selling, and sure enough, it was too expensive. Um, this thing is like, the the fact that they, they try and push so hard on the, you know, it's not an isolating experience, it's not a, you know, it's something you can do with other people around. But the uh, the the 3D slash immersive video stuff, which we'll get to in a second, is some of the most compelling part of the features that you can actually do on the thing. And that is a individual experience, right? Like, it just is. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they might have these things where you can, like, watch together with somebody else. You can, like, sync up the films and watch them at the same time over SharePlay or something. But then you've got, well, like... Both- 
but it's still not the same thing as when you've got like a couple at home, you know, trying to enjoy a film on Saturday night. Whereas normally they, you know, snuggle up together on a sofa and watch it on a big TV. You're not really going to sit there with each of you wearing a separate headset, you know, and like holding hands or something. It's just not going to happen. So like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like a... Oh, yeah. Uh, um, and I part of like, because originally I was like, well, one person could wear the headset and another person could watch with chair play on there tv or the ipad and i mentioned this to my wife and she was like i will never do that with you. <laughs> if you want to watch something on this headset you can go and do that and i will watch my own thing yeah the, the airplane contact i'm not gonna sit next to you wearing a headset yeah, the airplane while you wear a headset. Is a tick, right it's like yes you would yeah. do that there but you need a lot of ticks to buy a three and a half grand headset but anyway um talk about the immersive video stuff because you did the you did the 2D video, you did the 3D avatar film, which I presume means Apple's going to have to start selling 3D format movies in like the iTunes store at the moment, because at the moment... Yeah, just... I was wondering about that yeah. too. And my interpretation of kind of the 3D movie industry is James Cameron is the one doing it best. And a lot of 3D movies, as we've seen so far, are like converted from 2D. So there's obviously a reason that Apple chose Avatar as the demo mm. so i'm interested to see if other not gigantic big budget huge production films will be as impressive as that and how do you get them and of course, the, like the, you do you guys even make them at the moment like avatars like the exception right right like nowadays you go to theaters there's not there's not oh, loads of 3d screens there's a few but not like and a lot of like you said a lot of a lot of current films that even if they're broadcasting 3d in some places they're um synthesized 3d so they're actually shot in 2d and then they add some fake depth after the fact um but avatar's one of the ones where they actually shot with 3d cameras and stuff so it gets the full experience um which kind of dovetails into the immersive video stuff mm-hmm. right which is like a whole different format that has other questions about who's actually you know where's the content going to come from yeah the immersive video that's basically 180 degree video that apple said was recorded in 8k so you some of the things i saw was like flying over a city watching a woman walk across like a tightrope um what else was there rhinos i heard a lot of people talk about rhinos was one of them kind of living in a prehistoric environment that type of that type of stuff and this was clearly like a little sizzle reel Mm -hmm. basically of stuff that apple had i think shot itself and thought that that's these clips show off what immersive video can be but i wonder what the use case really is beyond these impressive demos and where the content comes from and what what exactly apple in the real world wants you to watch because like with this format you know avatar the way of war cost hundreds of millions of dollars right and it's a massive theatrical mm-hmm. thing um, and that's just for a standard 3d movie like not the immersive thing's gonna be more expensive to make um i expect and there's a difference between making a you know a 30 second clip of someone walking on a tightrope and making a two-hour film to enjoy in that format but apple is a content creator so they do have a like in the chicken and egg problem of content they can at least juice the bucket a bit right like they can they can um, fund their own production of stuff like this. And uh, Sigmund Judge at ScreenTimes.net uh, reported last week that the Godzilla project, the MonsterVerse um, TV show that Apple's TV Plus is doing, mm-hmm. is actually shooting at least some sequences in the immersive video format. 
So I don't know if they're doing the whole show, the whole like ten episode series in that way, um, but maybe it's just some like demo sequence or something. We don't know, but you know, even if they did, Apple can afford to pay that someone to make a whole show if they want to, so they could at least have their own stuff, I guess, in immersive video. Um, but and they I, didn't actually I, I announce asked any Apple of it. Can... Like, that was one thing that we didn't get yeah, on this right. June event is like there was no like. And at launch, there will be this, and there will be that, and then we will have this there. Like, they had the Disney segment with Bob Iger, and he said Disney Plus will be at launch, but, you know, that's just like the iPad app on, you know, translated over. Um, and because all of the content in the Disney segment, I didn't believe existed. Like, the rest of the demos it were, like, legit. No. But the Disney thing was like, let's just make up some stuff for a minute and show you, like, a scissor reel of, like, stuff we made in a video render, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, Apple told everyone that every... Vision OS demo they did during the event was real, except the Disney stuff. Right. That was proof of concept. Yeah, it was but, you could tell it was proof of concept. Yeah. Uh, but jumping back to like where this immersive video is going to come from, so I asked Apple kind of about this and what kind of content library like they expect to offer like on day one because this is going to be such a key selling point for so many people. And what they explained to me was that all of this is shot has so far has been shot by Apple using a proprietary of sorts video format. And I asked, so is that format going to be opened up so other people can make this really immersive, perfected content for Vision Pro? And their response was, we have nothing to announce there, but obviously we want as much content as possible. So... I don't think it necessarily bodes well that what we're at best six to eight months away from this thing being released and nobody, at least as of that we know of, is also shooting in this format. It sounds like Apple's going to be like the sole proprietor yeah. of the content. Which is okay because if they can get enough like, like, because that's part of the reason why they showed the, the Avatar film, right? It's like there are you yeah. know, Hollywood films shooting in that format. And like you said, that also was very impressive, even if it wasn't fully immersive. And they and a lot of their demos, like Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is just a 2D film, that they're just like, well, you can watch it as if it's on a 100-inch screen in front of you, which is still cool, right? Like, that's still... Oh, yeah, that was really yeah. cool. Like, And they have, like, these, like, environments, is that what they call them? Where they like, that's what you can, yeah. like, wrap around yourself in. Yeah. Which I, ones did you try? There was a few. Yeah. One was called Mount Hood, which was sort of like a mountain with a lake and stuff which i mean that stuff's cool and there was like a space one but the one that i liked most was probably the most basic which was just watching in a like a really impressive home theater environment like just this blacked out movie theater style room by yourself and the attention to detail on like that environment like i could look up and see like foam padding kind of like you'd expect in a high-end movie theater and that was the most like it did such a good job of taking 2d regular content and making it feel immersive and giving you something that otherwise you wouldn't be able to have like you can go to a movie theater but you're going to be with other people you can build out a custom theater in your home assuming you have the space to do that or you can watch it in that environment through vision pro i mean I wasn't expected to be blown away by the 2D content like that, but combined with the environments, it was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Like, I want to try that. That's the other thing about this thing is like, they're going to have a, 
you you don't know how good it is until you try it on for yourself, right? So like they're gonna exactly. they're gonna have to real take advantage. But I think part of the reason with the first one is they're only building like you know three hundred thousand of them, so they can do like you can book a session with a person at the retail store, and maybe you have to like show that you can afford it in front, so they just don't get like a million people abusing the system. But then they could do like you know one on one session demos, getting a very maybe like a ten minute demo rather than like a half an hour demo kind of thing. Like that's a, that's kind of what I imagine that they have to have at least on the more flagship retail stores to actually show this thing off. Because um, that's yeah, what's going to sell I, it, right? Like, you can sit there and watch a video of someone watching a film on a 100-inch screen simulated, but unless you do it for yourself, you're not going to be like, I need that, you know? Like, you just don't have the same connection to it. Yeah, and I asked Apple, too, about whether they thought there's a big barrier of entry to this product, both in terms of all of the sizing stuff that we talked mm-hmm. about earlier, but also just learning how to use it and learning what it offers. And like you said, trying it and they're really just apparently banking on being able to do all of this through their existing retail stores, which I think that's going to be a challenge. The retail stores, especially like not the flagship ones will be fine, but the smaller, yeah, that's not going to happen. Mall stores, like, I'm going to be interested to see just how controlled and how well laid out they're going to be able to do this for people. I think it won't happen. Like, expect, like they don't, and they don't have to, right? They're only making a few hundred thousand of these. So if they only but do... But don't if, you want people to try it? Just do try-ons. Say, like, well, I can't stores. afford the... Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm I just not trying like to be everybody possible. I mean, it's not even coming to my country, right? So, like, you know, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm in this boat too. But, like... If you cover the New York stores and, you know, the Chicago stores and stuff, like the flagship stores, the try-ons, people that are going to spend three and a half grand on this thing will make an effort to go and have a demo somewhere. Like, I think it for this is, like, the, the distribution is a problem for a future year in the, like... The, the distribution is, but I just think if you're Apple, you want everybody trying this, even if they say, well, I can't afford or I don't want or I can't even buy this version, but... I know when this crosses this price threshold, I want this, or I'm going to start saving for this. Like, I don't think they want just people who can afford to drop thirty five hundred dollars to or try it. But then, whatever, then they're going to try up employees for days of just endless people getting a twenty minute yeah. demo that they're never actually going to convert to a sale. Like, that is true. It's a, it's I mean, a hard logistics problem. They have enough trouble with the yeah. retail stores as it is. Like, yeah, that's exactly. Doing, you know, dedicating time. Because you can't, it's not even like an Apple Watch try-on thing where you can just like, oh, you know, just try on this watch band. Blah, 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 blah. Like you need someone to like be there with you for the entire 10 minutes or whatever. They're even going to get to test it and like click on this, then tap on this and do da 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 So like they, they did mention retail stores in the end of the presentation, but they kind of like skipped over it pretty quick. So I reckon they still don't fully know what their plan is for that and they're like working on it. Yeah, because maybe maybe they do like pop up locations where like, so it's it's Which they you can do you can book appointments at flagship stores yeah. and then some other areas they do like a pop up store somewhere else and it's like you can try it on here, blah, blah, blah. or even at some of the flagship stores it's like a separate thing so people who just want to get their iPhone mm-hmm. fixed don't have to walk around a bunch of people wearing headsets. Yeah, and the flagship stores have like around. the um the boardrooms, right? Which are just like that's completely true. dedicated yeah. empty rooms most of the time. So they can run headset demos in there all day long, but they need like to dedicate one employee to like just do that for all day and not service any other customer, um which is a challenge in itself. Uh, uh but the mall stores are like I just don't think it's going to happen. It's like 
Yeah. yeah. Um, but we were, that's, I mean, that's part, that's why this product's so interesting because it having, they having to approach it in a very different way. I mean, when has Apple introduced something three and a half grand starting price before that is like so personal, so personalized? It just doesn't happen. It just hasn't mm-hmm. happened. It just hasn't happened. It's like a whole new frontier. Wasn't it when you bought like the first version of the gold Apple Watch, they like took you into the back room and there was like a whole little yeah, experience for that. Yeah, I guess the gold that. Apple Watch is the <laughs> exception. But I think that's that an even like fewer quantities than they want to sell people. this thing off. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you had so we talked about like the the windowing of the apps, uh, personal cinema, and then what was after that? Did they do the FaceTime demo next? Is that right? Well, something else. I guess this is kind of considered immersive video. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what exact term they used for it, but it was it was two sports demos. One was the Boston Red Sox, Phil Schiller's team. It was an immersive. You were basically sitting in the Red Sox dugout and you got to watch in like an at-bat where the ball was hit to like shortstop. They threw to first base and the first baseman dropped the ball and it rolled a little bit towards you. And That's cool. That was really cool. Like I'm a pretty big baseball fan and so I'm a little biased towards this maybe, but that was really impressive. And then the other sports demo was a basketball game. It was the Nuggets versus the Phoenix Suns. And you were sitting, like, ground level, like, sort of by the basket. Like, not courtside where they sell the seats, really, but, like, like behind the basket. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. But the coolest thing about that one was the perspective. So it's it's immersive, right? And the, these players who are, like, seven feet tall in some cases are, like, running towards you. And you think like, you feel like you're there and you think like, well, if this, if like Kevin Durant goes up to grab this rebound and comes flying into the stands, like I got to get out of the way, like, (laughs) like he's going to land on me, but it's not like you're not there, but it feels like you're there. I mean, what's the field of view like? So this is, uh, lots of people have been asking that like around the edges Mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, like, does it blur? Does it black out? Yeah. Does it black out? Does it like fuzzy around like where the video was not perfected but i would like to have more time looking closer at that because this was like a sizzle reel but with what i saw like you could look all around you and the video quality never changed even to like the pass through like just you know standard like the room the room video because like a lot of video the reason i ask is most of the other headsets today or like all the headsets today they have like you know, 90 degree, 120 degree field of view. So basically you get like a box in front of you and you can kind of see like if you look in the bottom left corner of your eyes, you can see black, right? Because the screen's not there. And so I was just wondering what the headset, like the Apple headset's like. The, I would, I don't know the exact like 120, mm-hmm. 180 idea, but what I can, what I was impressed with most is that peripheral vision. Like You didn't feel like you were boxed in. I guess no not at all and I think Apple specifically set up these demo rooms in that way to where I was sitting on the couch looking at a wall sort of in front of me with like a tv stand and a bookshelf and stuff but the Apple employees were like diagonal from me sort of like off to the sides but when I was looking straight ahead I that peripheral vision to see those Apple employees was 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 great like it they I could see them clearly. And I know a lot of people are wondering about like the screen door effect and 
when you're looking through the video feed, whether it feels like you're behind a screen door or clearly looking through something. And I didn't feel that at all. I mean, it's a combination of those those two 4K displays. But honestly, also, most maybe most importantly, it's the low latency, mm-hmm. which is something Apple talked about quite a bit. Like, yes, the displays are high quality, but that doesn't matter if what you're seeing is lagging behind reality, if that makes sense. No, I get you. I get you. Yeah, so field of view-wise, it sounds like almost perfect, at least in your 30 yeah. minutes you had to like, feel it. Mm-hmm. So after they did the video stuff, was it the was it the spatial photos and videos thing, or was it FaceTime? Or was it like the FaceTime demo next? What did they do? Can you remember? I can't Which remember order? the order, yeah. but but I mean, just the FaceTime thing I think is important mm-hmm. because I think as I wrote, it was the least impressive part of the the demo experience, and I think that's for a few different reasons. So basically, they had. Somebody, an Apple employee at some undisclosed location who was also wearing the headset, FaceTime me in the demo room while I was wearing the headset. So I use the gestures to answer the call. And then they pop up. And at first, you don't really notice that they're wearing the headset. And Apple doesn't tell you that they're wearing the headset. You think you're experiencing just what normal FaceTime is Mm -hmm. like on Vision Pro, like somebody on an iPhone on the other end. But a few seconds in, they were like, and he's wearing Vision Pro. That's his digital persona. And I was like, okay, now I see it. And now I see, now I understand why at first it looked like he kind of had like a bad connection. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not the bad connection. It's the persona. And the persona is weird. A few people I saw describe it as like the, like the, the, the face, like the eyes and the mouth move, but like the head doesn't move like or only moves a little bit like you don't have the full range of motion conveyed which kind of put off made it feel a bit weird i don't know if you can like pinpoint what made it feel weird to you one of the things that i noticed right away was when he was talking the mouth was moving but what he was saying didn't line line up up with like the way the mouth was it's like how you're you can watch something and on tv you know and the dialogue Mm. gets separated from the video yeah the sinking stuff, yeah. And the eyes thing, so the best way I found to describe it was Apple does this thing on normal FaceTime calls where they like attempt to correct your eyes to mm-hmm. make it look like you're looking at the person, even if you're looking like below the camera. Yeah. And that works pretty well. And this feels similar to that, but there obviously aren't a real person's eyes. Like there would be extended periods where the guy was talking, but he wasn't blinking. Like it's sort of like, he's just, it was like, he was just staring like right into my soul. That's weird though. Cause like the blinking, it should know that they're blinking. So it should be able to copy the blinking. I think some of it was probably like lag yeah. maybe of the FaceTime connection or maybe just his headset trying to keep up or, with. or it's early and they were like there's a there's a bug if you blink so don't blink while you're talking to yeah, him don't blink. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's but, obviously uh, early right so it might improve by the time it actually ships but oh yeah and i mean the putting the digital persona idea aside like 
the experience of FaceTime on the headset is cool. And I think it'll be even cooler when you're in a group FaceTime call with the spatial audio and having the people surround you. Yeah, the, the that's rumor not something is on I got group to FaceTime, try. you can't have personas because the rendering's too much. So, you, the, like, the persona's only one on one. So, like, if you're if so, you're in a w- like if you're in a call with three Apple Vision Pro users, it would like oh yeah, would, like, yeah, fall yeah. back to like Memoji or something. Um, but if you're on a call with other people using iPhones, yeah, it would just be like or Macs or whatever. You'll see, yeah, them. exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but after like that initial introduction with the guy who was wearing Vision Pro, we opened up like a freeform board and attempted to collaborate and look at a 3d model of an apartment that was like coming out of the freeform board, like in spatial 3d. And it was super glitchy, but when it worked, it was cool knowing that we were both seeing the same freeform board, looking at like the same model of the apartment. It feels like, one of the biggest reasons Apple made Freeform in the first place oh, was yeah, for this. 100%. And like, you can like point at, I presume you can like point at something on the board and the person can see where you're pointing kind of situation. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is not easy. Like it sounds like, a, oh, you just point and there it is. But like copying the like the 3D transform or whatever and keeping it in sync for everybody in real time is like a hard challenge. And so that's kind of what they were getting at there. Yeah. The, what, was, like sorry, said, sorry, the FaceTime. Was the Persona... Yeah. In a box, or was it like floating in midair as like a as like a decapitated like torso head? See what I mean? No, it was in a box. box. Because in the in the WWDC State of the Union video, they show like a they call it like a preview of like a floating head that isn't in a box, which apparently is something. No, this yeah. As long as I'm remembering correctly, this was in like a FaceTime window, like like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it's really interesting though. Because in that play, in that State of the Union section, they say like, "When we'll be releasing a spatial persona." So they call the one where they're not in the box spatial persona versus just persona for whatever yeah. reason. But they say we'll be releasing a beta of spatial personas this year. I'm like, on what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but okay, we'll I mean, see what happens. Well. But I mean, overall, the FaceTime thing. I understand why they had to do the persona. I mean, they don't have a the choice, only other right? solution yeah. is Momoji, yeah. and they clearly think that persona provides more realism than just using a Momoji would. But one thing I've been thinking a lot about is if I'm on a FaceTime call with someone and I'm like sitting on my couch at home, like just talking to them, like hanging out, I, I want more freedom than what the headset gives you know for facetime like if i'm on my iphone i can move around and show like i can flip the camera and show my dog laying next to me or show off like something i just bought can you not flip the camera on the headset though not that they show they didn't show it but like why not (laughs) it has it has perfect i mean pass through video the outside world like it might be able to by the time it it comes out maybe yeah, I don't. They didn't mention it, but if they can offer that, then that makes the FaceTime argument a lot more appealing. Yeah. What I will say is, to developers, you're not allowed access right. to the video mm-hmm. feed at all. So developers don't get the video camera, um, or, uh, and they don't get um, eye tracking position. So 
both of those sensors are completely off limits to third-party developers at least but third-party developers do get access to the persona yes so yeah. zoom or webex can so yeah they get render... like quote unquote the front camera i.e the camera looking at you yeah. which is the digital one but they don't get the back camera yeah. i.e looking out on the world but again, that's the kind of thing but, where I feel like over time they might release some of those restrictions because um, why not let uh, let you use the back camera? I mean, on an iPhone, you, you an app can use the front camera or the back camera. Like, it wouldn't be like by default they just get access to the back camera, mm-hmm. but like, you know, with a permission screen, blah, 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 blah. Because you you, if you're a third-party developer, you need permission just to do hand tracking um, on the headset. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So you, don't get eye, you can't get eye tracking at all. So, like, all of the eye features, like hover and tap, are handled at, like, the system level, right? So, like, the app itself doesn't know where you're looking. Um, so, this is, mm, this does raise a okay. question. So, if yeah. you're doing, like, a, an immersive VR game where it's, like, you want to look around the environment, well, the app can't get that information. So, that's one of the reasons why they didn't show it off, because you can't do it. You're going to have to use, like, okay. head tracking or, like, a controller to, like, use mm-hmm. a joystick to look around. Like, you can't get the eye, you can't get eye gaze. Um and you can't get an actual video of the outside world. So, like, you can, you can in, yeah, in, in right. certain contexts, uh, like when you're in the shared space with, with all the windows floating midair, you can have the app put objects, like, in the world, but they don't get, they only get, like, the geometry. They don't get, like, the pixels, like, the, the, the RGB colors. So they don't get a photo of the world. They just get, like, the, the right. planes, yeah. basically. Yeah. Which that makes sense from a. From a privacy standpoint, I guess. I think that's how Apple Ankle did. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, they, right? they put it as yeah. privacy. But the the obvious example, the obvious counter example is like a FaceTime thing where it's like, I want to show what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. And if they if they yeah. comply by their own rules, they won't be able to they won't be allowed to do that. Um, or any third party app won't be allowed to do that. But again, that's something that they might like launch with for to be ultra safe with privacy and then over time allow and open up. Right. A bit like the three D photos and videos. Because like the FaceTime thing is like one thing with the personas, but I feel like the thing that's got the right. most backlash is the 3D photo stuff because they showed that shot of the guy like wearing it, taking a picture yeah. of his kids at the birthday party. And it's not a good look, like it's not a good visual, but no, I, it, the 3D photos is compelling as a feature. It's just the way that you currently have to do it is problematic. Would you agree with that? I, I kind of wrote about yeah. this in a piece I did on Monday or Tuesday, but in what otherwise felt like, like a really rock solid keynote unveiling of a completely new product category, that singular shot of the dad wearing the <laughs> headset, filming his kids, like that stuck out so much to everybody. Like, I don't know if you've been like keeping up with like random people on mm-hmm. Twitter tweeting about this, but like, I've got a tweet deck column kind of showing all of it. And that picture that's probably been shared more than anything yeah. else. Like, I don't r- fully understand how that made it through. They could have just not really addressed it and said they could have shown this. They, spatial- they could have shown the three D video of the birthday party without showing the guy taking it. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. But the, I mean, the spatial video and pictures themselves, like, incredible. Mm. Like, the two that I saw, one was. At there was the one of at the kid's birthday party where the kid blows out the candle and you're on the opposite side of the cake and kind of the smoke from the candles are moving towards you and you look around and you see everybody standing around watching the kids cut the cake and all of that. 
And then the second one was at a campfire. Like you're just sitting around a campfire with a group of friends and it, it, you just look around and everybody's there. It's like you're back in that memory. That is cool. I think yeah. in the once it's easier to capture this video and the pictures and once you build up that collection of memories, which is going to be hard to do. I mean, people on their iPhones already have 10 years of photos and videos that they look back on. So you're starting at ground zero, like creating this library. And it's going to be harder to create if you can only create the content on a headset. But the idea of having those memories and in 10 years time, being able to look back and see your kids or see a momentous event in your life or see your dog when they were a puppy and now they're old, like that's compelling. Like the memories aspect is very compelling. And it doesn't seem crazy that they couldn't add like a 3D camera to an iPad or a phone in a couple of years' time. Like they already have the LiDAR scanners on them. Just put like a lens on opposite sides of the hardware. There you go. Like I was wondering too, I mean, this is probably way too, there's probably a lot more to it than I'm thinking, but with the combination of the LiDAR and how good Apple's like detect subject technology has gotten, like how you can pull a subject out of a picture and move it somewhere else, move it to a sticker or whatever. To me, it seems like using both of those things and machine learning and all that good stuff, there's a way they could create at least not as good of an experience not as not as an immersive mm, like a partial, of an experience a partial but one. Yeah, yeah a middle ground yeah yeah possibly or maybe it's like a thing where if you have the headset on you can just like click the button and it takes it from a stationary perspective because it's got all the separate cameras but if you've got like an iphone you do more of like a panorama thing where you have to like rotate around the person yeah. and it can like capture the angles and then conglomerate them back together um which panorama pictures are something that they showed, they showed yeah. during the demo. Yeah. But I mean, like, that kind of thing where you have to, like, stand in one place right. and rotate round, and it can take all the different angles of the scene and then make a 3D model, 3D photo out of it. Um, or even, I thought maybe, what if they just had it so, like, I mean, they love continuity camera. What if you just, like, set the headset down and it shoots the video without even to have it on your face, you know? Like, then then at least the, the, the man could be in the birthday party. That, yeah, that's... I mean, the analogy everybody's been using to kind of debunk the idea of the dad wearing the headset being so bad is the whole like camcorder idea mm-hmm. like it's christmas morning and dad's got to get the camera the camcorder out of the closet and hold it on hold it on his shoulder to video all the kids unwrapping like maybe this is controversial stuff, but, but i think people would do it even in the current form where it looks stupid and you have to put it on your face because like yes i don't think i think it was a bad choice for them to include it in the in the demo video as they did but if I got, if I happened to have this headset with me somehow, right? Like I just bought it and it was free or whatever. It arrived, and then it's like someone's birthday party. I'm like, why are you not going to waste the opportunity to take a 3D video of that? Like, you, you, yeah. you shoot a video for a minute and then you put the headset away, right? Like, it doesn't have to be like you have to wear the headset for the entire birthday party. Like, you can you can do the cake cutting or whatever. You can have fun. Oh, you know, kids, smile over here while I've got this headset on for a minute. All right. Like, I don't think that's like an offensively bad thing to do. Like. No. It's not much different. You know, it is different, but it's not much different from holding the phone up to take a picture of them when they're taking a party in the first place, right? Like, it is slightly different, but it's not miles apart. Like, I think people would 100% do that 
as you say, because the result is so good. It just, the optics of including it in that direct way was rough. But I think at least they were honest in showing it, I think. But there's no reason for me why they couldn't have it so like you just hold the headset at like your chest and then it can just shoot the picture yeah. from chest angle and then Bob's your uncle, you know? I think part of the problem too with the with what they showed during the keynote is it was just the dad and the two kids. Mm. Like if it had been a bigger party and like, the dad was just standing off to the yeah. side, like taking a quick video or something. Like, but it's, I think people have the problem with. They could have chosen the a better not, demo, like yeah. a different environment. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you're taking a picture of some like nature outside or something, or like your dog running in the park, like yeah, something that isn't like yep. a five year old birthday, like a five year old kid having a cool memory of a dad with a scary headset on. And then, he, and then it's not just <laughs> the fact the headset's on; it's that you have to like hold your hand up to click the button. And yeah. then it, like, it's like it's like um, it reminds me of like Doctor Who with like the you know exterminate like it looks like like a, yeah. like a laser beam <laughs> shooting out of his face. But uh, I think they heard the feedback on that loud and clear. So we'll see how it presented in six months' time when they have to show off again. Yeah, it feels like the start of a story that they haven't finished yeah. yet. I think the iPhone at some point the iPhone's gonna a hundred percent not this year, but sometime it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And then your demo kind of concludes with this like butterfly dinosaur thing right which is like the most ar straight ar experience they kind of showed you can you you explain that a little bit yeah so that started with they they basically told me to hold my hand out and they said a butterfly is gonna fly out of the screen and land on your finger i was like okay this feels gimmicky but sure so i put my hand out and it did and one thing i noticed was there was a like a combination because the headset right since it's all hand and eye control for the most part there's no haptics on your Mm. hand as opposed to like a meta product where you're holding a controller and the controller can give you that haptic feedback but when the butterfly like landed on my hand it was i think it was a combination of just your mind playing some tricks on you and the spatial audio like it felt like the butterfly like i could feel the butterfly like land on my hand if that makes sense like even though you're not holding a controller your sensations play tricks on you combined with the spatial audio and it kind of gives you that illusion but then the butterfly kind of flew away and they said stand up and walk like walk towards the screen that you see and a dinosaur is going to come out and visit you and you can pet the dinosaur and all of this and which that's exactly what happened i mean i walked up towards the screen and sure enough a dinosaur came and i could put my hand out and see it like the breakthrough through the headset and look like i was petting the dinosaur and And it like cut your hand out like really well yeah it was it was gimmicky like i don't fully understand what exactly what exact use cases stuff like that will have at least especially at the start but i think it was a great way just to show off that sort of you know breakthrough that sort of ar technology that like we said at the start like a lot of apple's focus right now is on vr or it's on like this just show. using 2d apps in a 3d space kind of situation right exactly yeah, yeah. But this showed like the actual augmenting your reality 
experience. Like the dinosaur was in this demo room and the scale was there. Like the dinosaur was massive. So like I said, I want to see other ways this can be used, but that was a great demo of the tech. Yeah, because you can imagine maybe like an app, which is like a dinosaur book for lack of a better word, but like, you know, it's like an encyclopedia of dinosaurs, but instead of you just sitting there reading text, looking at static photos, it can like give you an introduction, give you a little... You know, they they have this like mode where it can like dim all the lights in the room, which they use for the meditation demo, which yep. I think you got as well, right? <laughs> what, or at least yeah, I got that yeah, too for like temporarily. So like the whole the whole room like goes black, and they can like focus on an object, and then you could have like the dinosaur pop out, and then it could go away, and then you know you talk about different species of dinosaur, and they can have a three D model of that. Like I think there is some limited use cases for it. Like it's not just like a one hundred percent gimmick, but it's not like what you're going to be doing day to day. And I guess one of the things they showed during the keynote too was like the medical school student looking at the recreation of the mm. heart or whatever and like interacting with it like so there's use cases i think i think the choice of the dinosaur demo was probably most like had the most wow yeah, factor but the wow least, right at the end yeah. yeah they should have combined it with something like more practical yeah but. The, the problem with that is that it's like the reason there's so much focus right now on the 2d stuff is because they're big benefit or their big advantage is they've got you know hundreds of thousands of 2d apps in ipad apps that are ready to go and you can just put them there and put them in a 3d window and you know developers will do a little bit of adjustment to add the ornaments and the different tab bar styles and you know the different backgrounds and stuff but ultimately they've got 10 you know thousands of apps ready to go out the door the ar stuff is much more primitive and much more um you know has to be built from the beginning like they have had ar kit and stuff for a while but you know you can't just like there's a difference between like, all the AR kit stuff you see on the iPhone today is mostly, like, you see a 3D model and you can, like, rotate it and spin it around, right? And the headset will do that, too. Mm-hmm. But the real immersive stuff is, like, where you have a dinosaur emerge out the wall. And that that, yeah, that exactly. kind of stuff just doesn't exist on the App Store today because there was nothing to make it happen. There is a question about whether it will exist when the heads, the Vision Pro comes out because, you know, you're you're having to find product market fit with developers being like, why would I make content for this thing that isn't going to sell in big numbers? Like, how am I going to make my money back on the investment? Like, there's all those questions, chicken air problems galore. Um, but at least it was a cool demo, you know? And it's like, wow, that's, that's interesting. I think to sum up, like, the entire mm. experience, I, even if there's questions about how this headset can be used and how different people are going to find different ways to integrate it into their workflows and their lives. If you look at just the technology aspect of it and how, how much tech and how much hardware Apple has fit into this form factor, while also, like we talked about, keeping it as comfortable as possible, like that's like, you can marvel at that. Mm. That And, the demos and the different ways that you can experience the content, it's probably one of the most incredible, like, first impression of a new technology that I've ever experienced. It's just so different. It's such a new a new world of interacting with things and and interacting with apps and video. It's it's hard to talk about. That's something I keep telling people is it's such a demo focused product, like you had to try it. I so want to try hard it. to explain. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to explain, but like the best way I can put it is just that 
it was incredible. And I think that's what they were going for, right? Like, this whole product is like, let's make the most state-of-the-art thing we possibly can. We want to prove that we are, like, leading this market, right? Even with a product that, you know, by all intents and reports, isn't going to make them very much money because they're almost selling out at cost. Like, it's not they're not going to sell in very many quantities. It's like a... It's almost like a trophy, like, you know... Yeah. We are the top of the so game. Let's throw right? everything that we have together and show off, like, this is how great this experience can be. And the first version, it cost $3,500. But with time and scale, we can get that price down. We can make other versions. It'll do more. Like, yeah. It'll do more. The, the platform will evolve. Like, if you're a developer, if you're a content creator... What they want you to think is that this is the future. Be there on day one or soon thereafter. Yeah. And what they want is like every out on the of iPhone. a MetaQuest product from now on will be like, but it's not as good as the Apple one. Like it's like, yeah, exactly. even though it's an unfair comparison in many regards, because it's like comparing a $500 product to a $3,500 product. But still, like the MetaQuest 3 is going to come out in September or whenever. And it'll be like, but the pass through is not as good as the 30 minute demo I tried on the Vision Pro. Blah, blah, blah. Like exactly. they're always going to be yeah. the top of the tree unless someone tries to compete with them, which. It's hard to see who can. Like, who else has the silicon engineering behind them, the money, the, you know, hardware industrial design chops, the software design, the ecosystem of software. Like, the thing with the MetaQuest Pro or even, like, the MetaQuest 3 or whatever is, like, they don't even have a UI framework. Like, it's like, you know, they talk about games Mm -hmm. because they have, like, a games framework with, like, Unity and Unreal and everything, which, you know, Apple's going to support Unity... um, natively and etc cetera, etc cetera. although they didn't talk about two games too much and the lack of controllers is a big question mark there because like you know one of the mm-hmm. staple games is beat saber right yep i don't think you'd be able to do beat saber on this or at least it's going to be complicated no. because like one of the, the the videos on the hand tracking specifically say limit the amount of fast hand movements and like beat saber is a very fast moving game so like i feel like at some point they're going to have to have some sort of collaboration for controllers that you can like holding your hand not a, obviously they showed off like xbox PlayStation controllers but i mean like hand controllers right. that like other headsets have yeah. because like you can't have an ar vr headset without being able to play beat saber on it right it's just too iconic so i'm sure they have some solution to that that they're working on maybe it's just not ready yet to talk about um because it's an, it's a stupid idea just to never address that market it's just ridiculous um so i i don't believe for a second that that's their position i just think like the gaming side no. was like not a priority so it's not ready to really be talked about now, but it might be ready next year or the year after. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, like this thing is a hundred percent the the rooster of the of the world now when it comes to oh yeah headset design and headset features and functionality. And it's not one thing. So because I was like in the very first group of people who had the mm. chance to demo this. I came out of that demo and I was worried that like I had gotten too ra- wrapped up in it. Yeah. <laughs> wrapped up in the moment, sucked into the environment, like the, the environment of being at Apple park and all that excitement. But once I published my post and others started coming in, like Joanna Stern at the wall street journal was one of the first ones. And Matthew Panzerino at TechCrunch, And since then there's been dozens mm-hmm. of others. The praise is like, everybody is on the same wavelength like it's not like me and two other people love it and everybody else hates it it's like everybody was impressed with the technology yeah everybody was impressed everybody yeah there's quest you can ask questions and wonder what's next and wonder 
and it can be impressive and cool but still a flop right like that's a there's i'm not like exactly there's there's huge barriers to entry here that are hard to overcome uh but you can't deny that what they've made isn't like amazing yeah right exactly and the the measure of success is very different to any other product launch right because when the ipad or the phone or the watch came out like they're expected to sell millions of them out the gate and and like affect culture like overnight and in most of the cases they achieve that like almost within months you know like the headset is not going to launch like that. It's it's going to be s- very gradual, very gradual. Like I think people who have this idea that oh, the first generation is like blah blah blah, but the second generation is going to be like the thing. Like my, I'm much more pessimistic on the timeline. Like I think this is five yeah. years at least. You know, before like it needs multiple generations of getting smaller, getting lighter, getting cheaper. Like there's, it's going to be a long time I think before this is like people actually go out and buy it in mass. Uh, it's not going to be like the adoption curve. Like even the Apple Watch was like slowish, right? And it, it picked up, but like this is going to be slower than that. I think. I think you're right. And I, I at first I was like, there's not going to be lines around the Apple Store for people to buy this, but ultimately there might yeah, be. There if might each be Apple Store only has one, but there were lines when people. That's going like, to be like there were lines when Apple sold like a hundred Max. Do you know what I mean? Like the like yeah, exactly. You only need a hundred people to make a line. Uh, I think, too, it's going to be hard to know how many people are buying this because Apple's not going to tell us. (laughs) And gauging things like shipping times and lines at the stores, that's not going to be useful because it's going to be in such short Mm -hmm. supply. Like, did this store have 200 units or did it have two? Like, And I think it's going to be closer to two. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because when's this thing going to ship? Like they say early next year. The Apple Watch was early 2015 and didn't ship to April. So, mm-hmm. and when it shipped in April, it was in low quantity. It wasn't like widely available until like June. Um, and this is early next year, only in the US, with other countries coming later in 2024. So yeah, it's a it's a long cu- it's a long tail curve. Um, but I think, given all the constraints that we knew would exist. All those constraints exist. There isn't some magic solution they've come up with, right? No, yeah. The product is legit. It's cool. Barriers to entry are really, really high. Practicality is questionable. Like, the entertainment side seems a lot further along than the other stuff to me. Like, because it's like, you know, you oh, can't yeah. have a laptop Absolutely. make a 100-inch screen for watch a film on, but you the laptop's going to be hard to beat on productivity use cases, but obviously they're trying to push it as an overall standalone computer. Um, but we'll see in time and, you know... The first generation model, like the thing is, if another company mm. came out with this product, the company will not survive. Mm-hmm. It's just the reality of the world, no, right? No. Apple can yeah. keep this thing. And other companies more. have tried. Yeah. And uh, some other yeah. companies have tried and either had to kill off that division or, you know, disappear, like Magic Leap disappeared, right? right? Like, for instance, like Snapchat is not doing too great um, when they try to do their spectacle stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just a fact, right? Like, Apple has so much money, so much resources. It's such a different era to even Apple of 10 years ago that they have so much excess capacity to work on this thing while they still sell millions and millions of iPhone, iPad, Mac, blah, 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 blah. This is a long-term bet. But as a starting point, I think they've done Ooh. pretty well. And as a starting point, I think I think I said earlier, like I've been trying to find like real people's reactions mm-hmm. and stuff, like outside of our tech little bubble. And it's been it's funny on tiktok there's already like a filter (laughs) where you can so it takes you give it like a video clip or something and it 
zooms it in and creates like a 180 degree view and there's a guy sitting on the couch by himself like watching something and it's just, people are already saying like me wearing the headset to watch taylor swift or me there's serious ones and there's joke That's ones funny. me me spending all my money on apple's vision pro to feel what it's like when harry styles yells at you using like a clip from a movie he was in or something like the the real world people are excited i think beyond that price point i think people are excited for a new way to consume the content i think concerts are going to be a huge selling point i think it's all going to come down to the content library and seeing those productivity features be refined and i guess they'll show it off again maybe next year like do you think they're going to have another like demo before like march time maybe i don't know well we know that they're going to be inviting developers mm-hmm. to special experiences in like cupertino and london and a few other cities i'm trying to remember with the apple watch was that september when it was announced yep it was announced in september or, alongside the iphone 6 and then we didn't hear anything until they did another event I believe in April, March. yeah, March, and that's yeah. that's when they said like the full pricing, and they did the second round of demo like thing, and then it came out in April. Yeah, the the timeline here is going to be weird because obviously Vision Pro like stole the show. There's going to be another event in September, and obviously that's going to be iPhone focused. But they might have other announcements the, uh, about the Vision Pro, but I doubt it would be at the iPhone. That's event. what I'm wondering, yeah. yeah. Like, for everything else Apple announces this year, Vision Pro is, like, the elephant in the room, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, no, that's true. Like, maybe in, like, September, October time, they start announcing, like, uh, content partners, or, like, they have little, like, videos mm-hmm. showing it, or they get some other um, people to try it out, like, you know, other, like, you know, like the Good Morning America kind of demo kind of situation. Maybe that's when yeah. they start showing, like, Apple executives wearing it, like that. You know, there's a there's a there's a there's a gradual rollout path here. But I, my prediction would be like the September event. It's not like we're going to have a ten minute segment to talk about the Vision Pro. Like that's just not going to happen. I, d- I think it will come back around in the March April time when it's actually close to shipping. I just I think the worst thing Apple can do is to go radio silent. Like the past two weeks, we've heard everything we're going to hear until like a launch date like yeah they'll keep more updates more it. content Maybe, like yeah. you've got to remember the vision os sdk isn't available yet so oh that's only, right later this month uh, yeah so probably beta 2 whenever beta 2 ships that'll be that'll include all the mm-hmm. vision os stuff and so then that gives the summer for people to developers start working on stuff so then some point in the fall they can do like a here's what people are already working on with vision pro like that kind of thing, not necessarily at an actual event. They can just do like a press release or a newsroom or a YouTube video. You know what I mean? Like other yeah. company press around it. Um, or, you know, those things sometimes where they get like um, like TechCrunch and The Verge and people, they get them to like a place in New York City and they just do like game demos or whatever on iPad and iPhone. Like they Which, can do that with a headset. They're doing that this week, I know. Okay. With, yeah. In New York and their little apartment building thing that they mm-hmm. have, like the loft. They have some people there and doing something. I think yeah. they're they're from what I've heard, there's gonna be a little bit of another press like push later this month with some interviews and stuff. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah. Beyond that, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, they could do a little New York demo situation in the full kind of time frame for sure. Um, so the thirty five hundred dollar question is: Are you going to buy one? What are? Oh, it's expensive, you know. It's expensive, I know, but it's so good. It's like we'll see. I'm, luckily, I don't have to worry about that until the end of next yeah, year. That, what was the math? Like you put away like thirty eight dollars a day yeah. until then. The other problem I have I was, is like if it's not coming out for me until Christmas of twenty twenty four, then I'm like, well, maybe I'll just wait till the second gen in twenty twenty five. Like, do you know what mm. I mean? Like, well, I'll, here I'll buy you one. Well, I'll take it. If and you buy what? One. It's thirty five hundred. No, wait, hold on. <laughs> I'll buy one on your behalf at a store for thirty five hundred. Yeah. And then I'll send it to you for. I think we can settle on like five grand, okay, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And, Still cheaper yeah. than a Mac Pro. Yeah, that's mm. true. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, it's, I'm gonna get. Yeah, one. like I, I, I really want one, but like, it's a lot of money to spend on something that I'm not sure. Like, I'm worried it's gonna end up like an iPad where it just like sits on the table, not being used. You know, like at least initially. The thing I've been trying to ask myself is whether I would buy one if I didn't feel an obligation to for exactly right for quote unquote work. I, I, like. I don't, for, if, if you ignore the like, obligations of work, it's a hundred percent no. Like it's just, it's the I've never yeah, spent three and a half grand on on anything from Apple before. Like, you know, my laptop was yeah, my laptop well, was three point three, uh, and that's like the most expensive thing I ever bought from them. And it does I literally use it every single day for everything in my entire life. So like, you know, the bar the bar the bar of price alone is is high. You know, but even if it was even if it was a like fifteen hundred dollars, it's still like for Gem One. It's like. What content's going to be available? What matching going to do on the thing? Like, it's still a, a, you know, there's a lot of question marks there. But it is cool. Yeah. I was talking right after my demo to our friend Parker Ortolani. Mm-hmm. And he was saying how much it was killing him to know he wouldn't be able to try it until next year. Yeah. And my response was just, I think that feeling is worse when you have tried it. <laughs> and know you probably won't be able to experience it again. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if 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 they do, re- I, I, when it, as soon as I can, I'll get a demo from a retail store or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and that might change my mind about buying it or not. But you can see the compromises and the issues, and the you know, there's a lot of issues as well as all the coolness that goes alongside it. And spending three and a half grand on that when you know at least some of those issues will be fixed in another year's time, like it's a it's a hard pill to swallow, but. We'll yeah. see. I just the the last thing I'll say is just when I took the headset off after the demo, it was a combination of feeling a little bit disoriented coming back into the real world, but also being blown away and speechless because it was so impressive and unlike anything else I'd tried before. And then also having so many questions about what's next. But then once that kind of settled down, the thing my mind fixated on most was, like, I don't think I have experienced or will experience anything on first impressions that was just so as so incredible, so different, so well done. And the fact that Apple still has eight more months to perfect mm-hmm. it, it's, I think they have something. The other here. thing on price, just bef- before we wrap glasses right so you have to wear the lenses who knows how much the lenses oh, cost yeah. <laughs> like 
who knows all the headband Apple options. Because I have a big head. I'll probably need the big size headband. That'll be more expensive. Like I'm. <laughs> they said yeah. very specifically, starting at thirty four ninety nine. Yeah. Who knows what that means? We will Let's see. see. Those lenses are going to be expensive. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. I don't think your your insurance is going to cover mm, it. No. No. Anyway, that and you have to yeah. one more thing. You have to have a prescription mm-hmm. to get lenses. So, like for me, I don't go to the eye doctor every year. Don't email me. I know, but I but I have like a contacts prescription. Mm-hmm. So every time I go, I just order as many contacts as I can, so I don't have to go to the eye doctor every yeah. year. And the prescription expires after a year. So you have to go if you haven't gone to the eye doctor in a year. You're going to have to go get an eye exam, get the prescription, then take it to Apple and deal with all of that. If you wear contacts, presumably you don't need lenses as well. Is that right? Yeah. So when I walked into the demo building, the first thing they asked me was, or they said, you don't wear glasses, right? And I said, contacts, but no glasses. And they said, great. Anybody who wore glasses got shuttled off into like a little optometrist room where they did a vision test and yeah the the i don't know Apple. if they're going to do this in like the retail stores but in the demos they would like scan they would do like a i don't know like some special modeling scan of your glasses and just work out what prescription you needed and just gave you the corresponding lenses i don't assume those machines are going to be in every apple store so presumably if you're buying it yourself you just have to present your own prescription and then order the lenses that way yeah well and i think there's legal things there too mm. apple yeah there might be yeah I don't think Apple has the net. That's why they partnered with Zeiss mm, mm. rather than do Apple branded Apple branded lenses. But we'll see. That's, that, starting that's a, at thirty five hundred, yeah, starting at thirty four ninety nine plus tax and then all the rest. It's uh, plus the fee that I'm going to charge yeah, you. The shipping. So. I mean, that's a, the, even the shipping would be expensive because you don't want anything to break yeah. in transit. Like holy moly. Anyway, that is a problem for next year. <laughs> Indeed. For now. Thank you very much, Chance, for being with me on this incredible episode of maybe the first step in the spatial com- computing future. Um, where can people Spatial. hear you? Uh, 9 to 5 Mac daily, like I say. Um, five minutes a day, Apple News. Um, we'll put the links in the show notes, but I've done two what I think are really in-depth and good pieces on Vision Pro so far. I had a lot of fun writing those, and the feedback's been good. So if you haven't already, just check those out in the show notes. And Otherwise, Twitter, Mastodon, and Instagram, at Chance H. Miller. Chance H. Miller. And I am at BZA Mayo, and very jealous. <laughs> you can, obviously, if you've got all the way to the end here, I hope you enjoy Happy Hour every single week. Uh, leave us a rating if you haven't in the Apple Podcasts app. You can subscribe for an ad-free version of the show for four ninety nine a month. Um, or you can support our wonderful sponsors. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.